Hey everybody, it's episode 8 review time. Only two episodes left. This episode sets up a lot of things, closes down a lot of things. I think we've probably seen the last of a few of these characters for the season. A few of them forever because, you know, that's what happens when you die. I guess sometimes characters come back from the dead or from the you think they're dead but they're not. But most of the time they don't. There was a lot of different things going on in this episode, and like I said, it's going to be the last time we see some of these characters for the season, and it's interesting to think about whether or not we've seen the last of them this season. We know a lot about what's coming in the next episode. I won't spoil that. As usual, we'll hold that for the post-credits discussion. But that said, you know, there's a lot of things we expected to happen this season, and since some of them haven't happened yet, it kind of narrows down when we think they're going to happen, you how can, they're going to happen, how much time they have. You can probably guess what's coming up, even if we don't talk about it, right? Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's pretty hard to uh, get around some of these things. And it is good, I, although this, I don't think this is a spoiler to say, the next episode is 60 minutes long, the final episode is going to be 69 minutes long, the average length is more like 52, 53 uh, maybe maybe closer to 54, 55 sometimes, but this season they've been a little shorter. Yeah. A lot of them have been more closer to the 50-minute, 52-minute mark. So it's good to see that it's almost two and a half episodes worth of material over the last two episodes. So that's cool. We've still got a lot to look forward to even though things are wrapping up. And, you know, we've got a couple of uh, different attitudes and, and beliefs about what's happened in this episode. And some people aren't too happy about it. Some people are. You know, it always goes multiple ways. This isn't a massively popular episode like, say, uh, the Hold the Door episode. The Door, of course, being the title of that one. And that's still the most popular episode of the season. But this season's been really strong overall. And it, it's maybe had a little bit of a lull as we head into the finale. Not necessarily that it's slower, but it's maybe there's been... You know, when things are being set up, it's hard to have a lot of action and resolution during the setup. Of course, there was a lot of resolution. I'm okay with that, by the way. I, I don't look forward to the big action moments of the, the seasons. I look forward to the deep conversations between characters. I, I Frustrating parts of this episode, I felt like some of the stuff with Arya was uh, hard to swallow. But I did like a lot of stuff with... Uh, Jamie and uh, Edmure. I thought yeah, that was great. really, really yeah. good. And uh, once again, I liked the bit with uh, Tyrion and Missandei and mm -hmm. Grey Worm trying to connect there. So. I think there, yeah, I think there was a lot of underlying themes, a lot of a lot of the subtlety in that in that scene. And we'll definitely have to talk about those things when we get there. Let's start with Arya. That is, in fact, speaking of great acting, maybe this scene didn't have a lot of opportunity for great acting, but it started with fantastic acting. Lady Crane giving her monologue. We see the difference in the monologue. It has she has now adopted Arya's suggestion to express anger over Joffrey's death, which was really good. And you see how it moved the crowd. I think it moved a lot of the viewing audience as well. It was a really well done scene. And it's funny to see Cersei's wig still in action because Cersei's not wearing it anymore with her short <laughs> hair. <laughs> By the way, it wasn't just that Lady Crane adopted it. It's that the writer, I guess, producer, yeah, he would whatever, because he was the, against the play, it. Yeah, yeah, he was against it. And, uh, uh, not against he it came around too. He was, he was I wonder how much he came around after Lady Crane did whatever to the girl's face. That oh, like, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. fine, we'll make some changes here. Uh, put the knife down. <laughs> it's like, this is what I'm going to do to me. you. <laughs> if you don't change my lines, <laughs> I'm going to cut your face. So, yeah, don't don't mess with Lady Crane. Either, well, don't worry about it now. Unless, Unless you're the waif. Don't yeah, then you can, Crane. yeah. She, she's harmless now. She's just a body. So, 
Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think that it was a little bit cheap to have Arya's really nasty wound be... It was still an issue for her. It bled when yeah. she jumped, it reopened, and she was able to make use of it to like wipe blood on the, on the wall there to lead the waif into a trap. But still, there were some things that... I think it was the way they set it up was... They were trying to be too tricky, I think, with setting it up. And some of it didn't work that well. But some of it was, was did, and there's still a lot of positive things to take out of this. For example, I know before we were setting up, you mentioned the her jumping off the stair, jumping down the stairs and rolling, and all the fruit and everything getting up. That was really well done. I mean, it was a really choreographed, really well choreographed shot. Yeah, can you imagine how hard it was to put that together. How many people were standing there and having all the fruit set up, and even having that sort of contrast of the orange and the, the colors with the the tan and gray of the streets, you know. But uh, that might have been a little book nod there. There's a, 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 piece, a piece of fruit. That is a part of the Seven Kingdoms in the books. It's called a blood orange, okay. and it's just an orange that's red. It's it's like a grapefruit maybe, and it's a, it's part Dorn. So the the orange next to the blood made me think of blood oranges. I have no idea if that was intentional, but that's where my brain went. <laughs> <laughs> it was a uh, a couple things. I will say like uh, maybe a little extra frustration because of. I felt like I'd figured out what was going on. And it wasn't what I thought. It's like, ah, oh, it wasn't yeah, what I thought. Same. I was very and wrong man, with my predictions. What I thought yeah. was so good. <laughs> like, how could they not <laughs> use my thoughts? <laughs> yeah, I guess sometimes uh, we, we get disappointed because they didn't do what we think they were going to do. Yeah. And it maybe isn't fair to criticize a show for not doing what we want them to do. But at the same time, it's, you know, this, they misled us in ways that didn't, didn't seem like they resolved them in yeah. a realistic way. It's hard, hard to understand why the, the things that led us to our theory, why did they do those things? Yeah. It's con confusing or frustrating. But um, they at least tried to address, you know, the fact that uh, Lady Crane would be able to deal with this wound. They, like, gave us yeah. a line of dialogue. Yeah, it wasn't nothing. Yeah. And I also helped justify my mind a little bit by not assuming that moment when she wakes up and a wave is there. That wasn't necessarily like the next morning. Yeah, it could have been. It a couple might weeks. have been a couple weeks that had yeah, gone by, and already gone through some healing already. I, I buy uh, that. I totally. I like that too. That definitely helped a lot because it was an ambiguous amount of time, so you can imagine that it was plenty of time. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to have been a lot of time, but it it could have been. You know, and they don't say one way or the other. So you can't say it was just one night. And you can't yeah. say it was just two weeks. We have no idea. But uh, it's not like Ari is a, <laughs> a young man who we can tell by how much beard growth she's had. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even that wouldn't tell us entirely. And to me, one of the best things about this whole Arya scene, this whole little wrap-up, I've got my Valor Morgalis shirt on, is that, like it or love it, it's over. Or like it or hate it, or love it or hate it, it's <laughs> over. And she's going back to Westeros. That's really cool. That's a really positive thing. We get to see her... Wait, no. She's going west of Westeros. Oh, yeah, that's right. She's going to go to this... She's going to become Arya, the, the navigator, and <laughs> sail west of, of Westeros. So she said she's Arya Stark of Winterfell. She's going home. <laughs> Does that mean literally? Is she going to go straight to Winterfell? Is she going to? She'll find that. Maybe, I'm telling you, you know. Aziz, she's going. She the next scene. She's going to show up in a new world. She's gonna, <laughs> it's going to be Ellis Island. <laughs> Arya looking up the bow of the ship at the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> Meanwhile, they'll have to make a new Waif Terminator, the T1000 there. Yeah. With her look, I thought she was looking surprised when she made that look. We saw that look in the trailers, and she was like surprised. But no, that was the, like, "I'm coming to get <laughs> you. I am the evil machine of death." Uh, that definitely, I'm not nearly the only one to think of Terminator movies when we <laughs> after seeing that scene. <laughs> and the 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 moment with Jaken, 
or Jockin. Uh, I, people have complained about how I pronounce that. It's I, it's really hard for me because I have a cat named Jakin, and I, I'm not going to start calling my cat Jockin. <laughs> I've call, been calling him Jakin for three years. <laughs> he is black and white, by the way. The cat of black and white. Uh, so there's a lot to think about as far as where she's going next, whether she's going to go to Winterfell. Well, if this big battle that's you know fixing to happen in the north between the Boltons and the Starks and their allies, however that goes, let's, let's assume the Stark come out ahead in that, then maybe Arya arrives to find you know the north in chaos, but heading in the right direction, but White Walkers coming. Or is she going to... Um, Try to scratch some names off her list. Is she going to try to go for Cersei or Walder Frey? Those are the two names, really, that she, you know, the mountain's on her list, but I don't see her being able to take him out so easily. It could be done, but I'm not sure that's uh, the most likely. I think the other two targets are more likely. So a couple, a couple thoughts I have are, um, one is uh, something you might be able to answer. Where would she, let's just assume she's just trying to get out of there. Yeah. First ship she can find, quickest destination across, like, what what would be the most trafficked path between Bravos? Pretty West much Street? where she left from. Something on the east coast. It could be King's Landing. It could be Gulltown, which is in the Vale. I mean, Bravos. If you look at the map, Bravos kind of comes right over here. Bra- oh, you can't see it very well from here. Bravos lines up with the fingers of the top part of the Vale. So if you know, just a straight shot across. And King's Landing is just a bit far south, a bit farther south. There's several ports along there. The main ones being Gulltown and King's Landing. But the show doesn't really. Uh, pay a lot of attention to that sort of thing. Nah, this isn't necessarily a criticism. It's just the way they do it, and they don't feel the need to point out that level of detail. Which you know, I can understand that. They may not point it out, but they may still be aware of it. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and given that King's Landing is a likely place, it's like it's a it's the capital. It's a big port. It's mm-hmm. nearby, right? So, a b another thought that I had that wasn't. Uh, uh, spoiled or ruined by the the way it actually went down as far as the House of Black and White, Jake and Arya, is it? It might have been his mission for her to kill Cersei in the first place, hmm. right? Like he gets, she gets this sort of set up mission to go kill a, a fake Cersei. You yeah. Know? Uh, they ask her about who's on your list at one point when they're trying to figure Arya or the girl hmm. out. Who's on your list? Okay, That's true. Cersei. Uh, so and and it, it seems justifiable for. For Jaken, Jacken, whoever, to, <laughs> to kill Arya here. Like, she broke his rules. He warned her, no third chance. She killed his protege, like, but he lets her go. Maybe he just wants Cersei to die anyway. He knows she's going to go kill It's kind of like a, potentially, it might be a win-win for him and or the House of Black and White. Hmm. If they want Cersei dead, whether someone hired them to kill her, which you can imagine Cersei has plenty of enemies, so it might have done that. Sure. And the Iron Bank would be one of them potentially, yeah. uh, which is you know there's not a, a con- there's no confirmed link between the Iron Bank and the Faceless Men, but they're both they're two of the oldest institutions in Bravos. They're surely aware of each other and can't can't imagine that they don't have interactions sometimes. Doesn't mean they're in cahoots, but you, you certainly can't dismiss the possibility. If they were in cahoots, who knows what kind of deal they could work yeah. out? But mm-hmm. default, right? House of Black and White charge for an assassination is two thirds of your wealth. Sure. It's hard to imagine that the. <laughs> that the it's true. Well, Iron they Bank may not yeah, give I, that I much. However, I was talking about this to someone else, and they said, "Well, can the can the Iron Bank 
find some beggar on the street and say, hey, go hire the House of Black and White to kill Cersei. <laughs> and that guy gives him his pants, and the Iron Bank's like, thanks, here's 100 gold pieces. I gotta say, that theory has been tossed about on, in, some, in the books, for, in, amongst book discussion. Not okay. that theory, specifically, as far as to do with Arya, but the idea that someone could use, could hire the the faceless man through a proxy to yeah, save money. To, that, yeah. that same old thing. <laughs> Seems like a dangerous game to play, but it is an idea that's been tossed around in the fandom before. You wonder how possible it is. They're not easy to lie to. That's so true, yeah. That's you can't right. just hire some random person. They would sniff yeah. out the lie. You know, it's, They're real hard to lie to. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know. That's a dangerous game to play. But it's possible somebody might not realize how hard they are to lie to. and you know, It probably just wouldn't work. You know, <laughs> But you never know. So... There's a lot of possibilities for where Arya could go. Old Town, King's Landing, the Vale, straight to the north. Hospital. A hospital. <laughs> <laughs> Will we see her again this season? Hard to tell whether or not, okay, well, we're not going to see her again until the beginning of next season where she pops up somewhere. Maybe she'll be in disguise the first time she, we see her. You know, she did go into the House of Black and White at the end. Maybe she snatched a face. Maybe she took the face that was in the place of the waist. By the way... That was very messy of her. Like, Jenkins, like, I gotta clean this up. Like, you just, you're supposed to clean these faces off before you stick them on the wall. Yeah, Come on. some new protege to clean this up. <laughs> yeah, that's really all it is. Like, I'm gonna, we're gonna promise to teach you how to be a badass assassin, but really, we're just gonna make you a janitor. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, miss, that's, that's a common trope of, of, you know, the master student type movies. Wax on, situation. wax off. Wax on, wax off. Make them do all their work for them. Yeah, <laughs> that's the real, that's the real secret of it all. Become a big, powerful, mysterious master of something, and you'll get plenty of people coming to want to train you or train from you. And that is how you get your place very clean. <laughs> Path to success, or at least cleanliness. Okay, so yeah, that's that's pretty cool. That again, whether you loved or hated or somewhere in between, the wrap up of the House of Black and White. I think it had its moments. It's not. I don't know if it's fair to judge it by just this last scene. Over the course of the season, basically two full seasons Arya spent there, it has had its ups and downs. A lot of it's been really good. The acting has been solid. Art Macy Williams is always really good. And Lady Crane was really good. The play was really good. The different interactions with the actors. So I think it's fair to judge it as a whole, not just based on this last scene. And overall, I think it was good. You know, there were, I don't, I will say, I will be critical and say I, I'm not super happy with how it ended, but I am excited for where it's going. And I liked a lot of what came before. So I'm not just going to focus on just this 2% of the whole plot line, which this, last, which this bit represents. So what's going to happen with Arya in the future? Your guess is as good as ours. We'd love to hear your ideas. By the way, I did mention the Door episode earlier as the most popular episode of the season. However, we got almost as much feedback, questions, reactions as far as email, Facebook, Twitter, etc., where we, all the places we get emails like patreon as well and it's been there's been a big response to this episode really big oh to this episode yeah more than you more than i might have expected more than i would have guessed so yeah that's good stuff um i think so a lot of you a lot of you out there wanted to hear our thoughts on that and a lot of you wanted us to find the good in this last scene so i think <laughs> i've done that as, as well as i can there's definitely plenty to be positive about so yeah, but that I think that is it for now. I think we'll maybe we'll see Arya again this evening. We'll get a clue of where we're going, then we'll have more to say. Otherwise, we'll be speculating all off season. Yeah. <laughs> so let that let that start now, and maybe we'll have an update in a week or two on on having a little more information to fit in the picture there. Before we move on, 
I want to announce the hatching of a dragon in the north. The dragon Mazalakartho has emerged from his egg hatched by Lord Mark Joseph, the snow in Winterfell. It's a white dragon with green claws, wings, and horns, and figures to be a large beast. It's already unusually sized for hatchling. Keep you posted on that development. Okay, so I think it went to the hound next. Uh, there was, you know, another one of these somewhat standard, a bunch of dudes behaving badly, behaving obnoxiously right before they get killed. We've seen this a few <laughs> times in different spots. I'm not complaining. It's just a, it's just a pattern that they just have. Just to remind us that they deserve it. Yeah, just know? to remind <laughs> us that they deserve it. Um, so the hound is mad. <laughs> He is very good at killing, as we were are reminded, and he had a lot of practice with that axe. Instead of chopping wood, now he's chopping bodies. And there isn't a lot of takeaway from this <laughs> moment. Then it, it, it fast-forwards later in the episode to him re-encountering the Brotherhood, and we get some explanations that we were really curious. Like, why did these Brotherhood... So it, it kind of made sense in the end. It was, it was gone over pretty quickly, but I got to say... I was a little anxious about how this plotline would go. I thought it was a little weak last episode. Not, it, not, it wasn't weak overall. It had some weak points. It had some weak explanations, maybe. We'll say it that way. I like the acting was awesome. You know, Ian McShane was, was fantastic. And it's awesome to have the Hound back. But it, it, it's, it, was, it made me a little anxious with what, what they were doing. And it was like, maybe this isn't going to work. Maybe this isn't making sense. Some things don't make... I tried. So I, we, we, we told ourselves, all right, we'll see what they're going to do with it. And I'm pretty happy with the way it went. It was a little rushed, but I'm kind of used to that. They, they rush some things from time to time. That's pretty normal. They've got a lot to cover, so I give them a pass on rushing things from time to time. But it was really cool to have this dialogue. I thought it was good dialogue, you know, the Hound. And it was cool to see Thoros again. We actually knew that Thoros was coming back. Those of you who, who listened to our post-credits spoilery discussion... I think I mentioned that. I don't know if I mentioned it in the show-only review. I definitely mentioned it in the book-to-show. We knew that there was... That Thoros was coming back. We did not know about Beric coming back, though. That was... I didn't know either, for what it's worth, so it wasn't... Cool. Oh, so it must not have been show-only review that we talked about it then. Okay, so... <laughs> I didn't mention it on this show, but... It was known that Beric... Or that Thoros was coming back. Beric, though, that was a pretty big surprise. No Angai, though. We didn't see Angai. That was... Um, that wasn't Angai pointing the arrow at him. That was definitely not... Couldn't have been him. It was a very different looking person. Not that Angai isn't necessarily there... But I was kind of hoping to see him since we saw also, the Brotherhood. They might have recast him as possible. Yeah, absolutely. That's always possible. There's, there's, there's things that happen outside the scope of what the show can control. Plenty of actors have left the show for bigger roles. And there's just nothing they can do about that. They just have to either recast them or cut them. Which is what they did with the Great John. It's what they did with Recaro, which was Danny's blood rider. He, those, both those actors, for example, left the show and they just didn't recast them. Whereas, for example, Dario left... And they couldn't just write him out. They kind of had to, you know, find a way to put keep him in there, so they recast him. So that just happens sometimes. So there was a lot of parallels to what was discussed in between the Brotherhood and Sandor and what Sandor talked about with, with Septon Ray, wasn't there? Uh, yes, A lot definitely. of the same language used. Also, again, a lot of references to, you know, the powers that be. That's one of the main things I was talking about. Yeah, he hears the Sandor hears some of the same things coming from worshippers of a different god, which was yeah. which is really cool. I thought that was really neat. So I, I, a few different thoughts I have here. One, I just 
something that popped in my head when you're like, we saw him chopping wood, saw him chopping heads. <laughs> Next, he'll be chopping broccoli. <laughs> Surely will. I don't know how many people out there he prefers chickens? But yeah. Uh, the uh, one one little thing I didn't quite catch the first time, just like a, a line he said that I didn't quite hear or connect in my mind what he meant. But when the guy draws an arrow on him and he's like, "Put that down, little girl." Yeah. I've been what I didn't catch. She said, "I've been beat by tougher girls than you." <laughs> he <laughs> sure has. In. <laughs> the toughest girl there is, perhaps. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'd say uh, it was also I thought a telling, funny, morbid moment when guys still just like wrangling. First of all, the way they're hanging people, they're not dying in an instant. Yeah, like, you said it's, it's speaking, over. Yeah. It's like, no, that was not an instant. <laughs> generally, hanging someone. For those that might be interested in this, like the <laughs> the correct quote unquote way to do it is from a great height. At, at the, the the rope should have a lot of slack, and yeah. at the moment that you fall, you fall far enough that when the moment pulls tight, your neck breaks. It, right, right yeah. your neck just breaks. And you're dead instantly. Yeah. But I think every single person we've seen hanged on hung. Hanged. Someone correct me. Okay, hanged, hanged yes. on uh, Game of Thrones. <laughs> They've dropped like four inches and it uh, been slowly strangled to death, which is terrible and gruesome. Yeah, uh, it was bad. not over in an instant. Mm-hmm. I think they would have preferred to have been hacked down by Sandor. <laughs> Maybe that... not in the crotch, but yes, <laughs> yeah. and that whole head chopping thing he did to the first guy that would yeah, have definitely that's been quicker. Please take, take me out like that. Uh, so, uh, anyway, before this guy's even done suffocating to death, he's, like, switching out boots with him. Sandor just... He's just... Oblivious <laughs> to the death, just complete, no remorse, no... He's seen and, so uh, many bad things, it doesn't even register. This is nothing, especially yeah. once he's already decided that this guy deserves it. it yeah, just, it's total just, just nothing. This guy is just a, a, a log in the road that he's moving out of the way. There's mm-hmm. no concern for this guy's pain or suffering. Uh, whether there should be or not it might be a debatable point. I don't know, but Sandor did not have it. <laughs> no, he did not. Uh, he was remorseless. <laughs> so w- maybe the biggest thing that I took from this disease, I think they're going north. Yeah, I don't think absolutely. they're going to the Riverlands. I don't think I agree. they care about Winterfell. I think they... Uh, they don't care about the Boltons. I mean, they may encounter the Boltons, but I think that's going to be resolved yeah. by the time they get there. I think yeah. they're going to be there... After that battle happens, I can and then, imagine showing up in the middle of the battle. Yeah, they can show. Maybe they can help a little. I mean, they're not a big yeah. army, but they could. They could help. The hound by himself is, you know, yeah. worth like like uh, like little Liana Mormont said. Each bear hound is worth ten mainlanders. Well, not ten Sandor Cleganes. That's not the mainlander she was thinking of when she said that. Sandor is is worth ten. Well, just ten soldiers or whatever. He's worth a lot. Yeah. <laughs> like keep in mind something I even pointed out before. That we've seen a little bit. They, we've seen them kind of make note of this. Is that this army, this ragtag, last-minute, thrown-together army, they're not necessarily going to have teamwork. They're not necessarily going to follow leadership. They're no, not necessarily going to be the same 2,000 strong or whatever that a different army 2,000 strong would be. And having this team, the Band of Brothers, they've been working together as a team and a group for for years. Yeah. You know, they you can imagine they really would be worth a lot more. They really could maybe turn a turn a tide in a battle or something. Yeah, maybe. They especially if they're able to do the kind of thing they're good at, which is, you know, ambushing and stuff like that. They wouldn't be in a pitched battle. The things they've been doing probably haven't prepared them for that. But yeah. 
if they were there sooner, if they were able to get up there in advance of the battle, they could be attacking, like, skirmishing parties, attacking this and that. But Even in the midst of the battle, we saw how good he was true. as an archer. From a distance, he could snipe out a couple leaders. Yeah, good point. You yeah, know, absolutely. Charge in from the flank when they're not when their focus is elsewhere. And But as we said, it doesn't appear that they're going to get there in time for that, but maybe they will. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, so... But that's neat. I mean, it's it's Sandor and the Brotherhood going north to fight the White Walkers. This is the first. This is the first since group since Stannis outside of the north. Well, Stannis is outside of the north, but so the first group apart from Stannis outside of the north that is taking this threat seriously, and that's really cool. You, I guess, they're aware of it because Thoros can see in the flames, and maybe he's seen some of the same things Melisandre has seen. And that's other than that, I'm not sure how they would know that this is happening. I'm not sure where they got the information that the North is imperiled. So, that's going to be neat to see what happens with them. Sandor going north is exciting. And, you know, I thought there was some underlying, a nice underlying theme with regards to the title of the episode, which was No One. And Arya, of course, rejects the concept of being no one. And so is Sandor. Sandor is basically nobody. Yeah. He, was, he gave up fighting, as Beric pointed out. I was like, how's that working for you? <laughs> it was a very cutting point to make. He's like, not very well. And he doesn't say that, but that's what his facial expression uh, you know, indicated. And when Thoros asked him, you have friends, Kilglaine? And he's, you know, jokingly, he's like, not anymore. And that's kind of like saying, you know, you're, he's nobody. He doesn't have friends. He doesn't have, really have a purpose. I mean, that, his purpose, he had a temporary purpose, which was revenge, but then that was done. Like, at the moment, those guys are hanged. He's out of purpose again. He had a short-term purpose, helping build the Sept, but that's gone. So, now he has a purpose again. He's somebody. He's part of something. And I think they I think they convinced him to join. I think I think everybody took it that way. Yeah, they didn't make it clear, but you know, yeah, the way he, yeah. the way he kind of looked off in the distance like, yeah, he didn't really have a comeback. He didn't have a retort. And he's always got a retort. He's always <laughs> got some sort of snide, you know, comeback. He's good at that sort of thing, but he had nothing. He had nothing to say. I think Barrack and Thoros convinced him. And that's cool. I'm excited to see all those guys together. That's a good group of uh, characters. I like Thoros a lot. I like the actor playing him, Paul Kay. We've seen him in some other things. We've seen Sandor and other things, too. So I think that bodes really well, but I do think it's the last we've seen of them this season. So we'll have to wait a year or so before we see them again. This time, he'll be in the preseason trailers, probably. They had to keep him out of that for very obvious reasons to hide the surprise. So I don't think we have anything else on there. But I really like the underlying themes. I like the facial acting of, of the Hound, and I'm looking forward to more of that next season. I do think he will show his purpose. He will, he will be a different man having a real goal. Oh, you know, that's another thing that, that, that Beric said, that Septon uh, Ray said. He said, you know, we, we have a reason to be here. You know, you can, it's not too late for you to do more good than harm. Yep. As much harm as you've done, you can you can do more good than you've done harm. And that's exactly what Ray's speech was. So Sandor's really been hearing these things. And it's so cool. I know I've said this already, but I just think it's so cool and reiterate that he's hearing them from two different groups of believers. He's hearing it from R'hllor believers. He's hearing it from worshipers of the seven. It just seems to be a universal truth. The way it's been presented to him and the way it's presented to the audience, I think that's well done. You know, something else... Uh... It's a good setup to to have characters who are sort of badass fighters. Yeah. Um, but you don't. It's it's hard to have them killing people without you feeling bad for the people being killed, right? Yeah. 
Dinner North to kill zombies. <laughs> yeah, we get the action, we get the warrior, <laughs> but we don't have remorse over, you know, yeah, this is, this people is, killed. It's, it's, it's not gray. I mean, so much of Game of Thrones is gray areas. Like, who's the good guy? Who's, like, two people who have grie legitimate grievances are going to war with each other? And it's, like, you know, it's gray. And that's the, one who's of the geniuses the of Game of Thrones. John or Ramsey? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's clear. But, but even Ramsey, like, they're... It's hard to feel sorry for Ramsey, but you see... In some ways, why he is the way he is, you get an, a sense of his father being really a terrible man, and the the you know the way he's brought up isn't conducive to making you know productive, positive human beings in this world or in that world, in any world. So even Ramsey, you can kind of see, even though you don't feel sorry for him, he still has humanity. You know, he still has. Uh, likes and anxiety and things that matter to him. And he has real emotions, even though they're, a lot of them are disgusting. He's got a good <laughs> sense of humor, too. <laughs> <laughs> so it's all, it's all very good, and I'm curious where that's going to go as well, but I don't think Ramsey... I mean, I don't think Ramsey's arc has a lot, you know, a lot of ex exposition left in it. But, by the way, that's another thing. A lot of predictions that Sandor would go fight the mountain... Does not seem like that's yeah. even a remote possibility now. If he's going north, which seems like he definitely is, he's heading the opposite direction. And, yeah, so maybe much later that could they could meet up again and fight. But really it, seems like that possibility has shrunk to a very tiny one. It seemed unlikely in the first place just because of the timing, but now the even the potential of a trial by combat showdown between them. Right. That's out of the It's not even, yeah, they, they, it wouldn't even too. be a trial by combat. It would have to be some other circumstance where they fight. So, yeah. So, sorry, folks. If you were really hoping for Clegane Bowl, that's what it was called in the fandom ahead of time. It doesn't look good for Clegane Bowl. I guess we can't 100% say it's done, but it ain't going to be a trial by combat, I don't think. It, <laughs> again, this is, you know, this is kind of a wild thought, but you could get people at odds with each other Fighting side by side into the north against zombies. What if Cersei has to flee King's Landing oh. rather than face trial and the mountain goes with her and they head north <laughs> to take part in the that's real where, cause? That's where things are safe. And you have Sandor and uh, the Hound of the Mountain fighting side by side against the Night's King. <laughs> that would be weird. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about River Run. Uh, there was, is this another example of... Maybe a few things that didn't sit quite right with expectations and some of the perhaps logic of the situation balanced out by some really great acting. Brienne and Jamie was very meaningful and well acted and, you know, it hit kind of hard. But I think that took us, to me, it took second fiddle to, to Jamie's scene with Edmure, which is really neat because Edmure is like, hasn't been a character on the show of importance, except as, you know, he's out there, he's in prison for so long, all of a sudden, this great character, you know, played by a great actor, Tobias Menzies, who a lot of people know from Outlander, which I haven't checked out yet, I, I probably will someday, it's got a, it's got good reviews, and I remember him from Rome, so I've, you know, he's been known that he's a great actor for quite a while, and he's just, but he still, he kind of comes out of nowhere to deliver this great scene, even though yeah. he's been a character on the show for a while. So, I, I really like that, and I know you, you like that scene too? Yeah, it's one of my favorite of the season. Uh, I, I really like nice. that scene between uh, him and Jamie. Uh, How do you live with yourself? Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> it reminds me, uh, 
All right, a couple things. One thing, I remember last week I expressed a little frustration with how Jameis is being treated as, as an oath breaker by people who I felt like themselves were breaking oaths on some level. And maybe it's a little worse for Jamie because his particular specificness of his oath to the king. And, it was the timing and, of it, too. It's, right, exactly. You know. And a perception of the world around. Because we kind of know. We know where Jamie's coming from and why he did it. But the rest of the world doesn't. And Jamie... It's too arrogant to explain himself to anyone. And it happens again here. Yeah. As soon as as Edmure goes there, Jamie's like, look, this is a negotiation. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah, not yeah. going to defend. He just he refuses to defend it. You know? He knows no one's going to even uh, believe him. He, but he's, I was, he's probably tried it and you know, people just... Yeah. <laughs> I was reminded that there was another oath that would be perceived as him having broken by the Blackfish, especially, right? Of yeah. returning Sansa and Arya in exchange for... Caitlin, which Brienne does go. confront Blackfish about that, right? And that, and that, which was, but that, that was, was after, and it, yeah. right? But it did affect Blackfish. She was like, "All right, let me read this letter." He at least you know, made that, it. Yeah, at least got her to right. read the letter. Got to uh, read the letter. Yeah, she she seemed to be proving her value to him, you know, as yeah. having integrity, if you will, right? Yes, he seemed to be accepting her as a knight, you know, and she was telling him that she trusted Jamie. And at first, he wanted to blow her off, but when she kind of pointed pointed the truth out to him. He gave us a credence. He's like, all right, all right, I'll at least read the letter. And I also wanted to point out, I felt in this scene, in that moment, very quick and very subtle, even though he's trying to put on this front for uh He finally broke right? his, yeah, he finally he, You see this moment of emotion. It's like, he's, yeah. she's just like her mother. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Yeah. And that's the kind of thing that I wanted last episode for yeah. uh, something, some some show of emotion toward the dilemma that Edmure is in, you know? Um, but, uh you still, in the end, he's still just this stubborn old man. It still <laughs> seems like he should have just gone with Brienne. <laughs> I know. We all like, wanted that. I think that was uh, disappointing, not in a way like, damn it, why did they write it that way? But in a damn it, Blackfish, go with them. You know, it's like be that way? an yeah. in-world frustration, not a, I wish yeah. they had written it differently. Because I understand. I understand it completely. Like, it's the same. It's kind of the same thing with Barristan. This guy is a legendary fighter. You know, one of the most famous men in the Seven Kingdoms because of his reputation and what he did as a as a young man. But how are they going to show that on TV? It's not like this actor who's legitimately the age he looks. I mean, he's probably a little younger than he looks. That tends to be Hollywood actors look younger than they actually are. That's really common. So how is how are they going to make it believable that he's a badass warrior? You know, like yeah. they're going to show scenes of him fighting. Is he going to fight White Walkers? Is he going to fight? I mean, he could just be a commander. Sure, that would work. That'd be fine. But again, you know, screen time-wise, contract-wise, it's all this other stuff. It makes sense. It's the pattern we've seen for all six seasons. They just can't fit everyone in, so they gotta find ways to have people exit stage left. And this fits as well as, as other things does. You know, he's, he's, he's reached the end of his life. And besides, there's, it's con to me, it's con fairly convincing that he's given up. You know, uh, because... He's so stubbornly held out for so long, he took the castle back, and then it's just, he just ordered just to give it up. Re just relinquished. Like, I thought that about that, nothing. too, that think of the men that died trying to take that castle back. Yeah, it was just total, just yeah. away. It was just totally for nothing. And now he's, that's got to be depressing. And so he, at least he has, he still has the inner fortitude to go out fighting and to, to make, to kind of have his own, go out on his own terms. You know, it wasn't quite what, it wasn't at all what he wanted, but he still... You know, he's not going to linger. He's going to be remembered for this. And, you know, it's not necessarily satisfying, but it makes sense. And, you know, if you kind of put yourself in his shoes, yeah, that's just deflating. All, like, massively, massively deflating to, to go through all that effort 
to have his family slaughtered, like he said, and then to have one of his, you know, the one family member that's like the, his closest relation who's still alive just be like, surrender, give it all up, you know, and it's just like, oh, By the way, that damn was a, it. <laughs> another really subtle moment that I appreciated was when Edmure first walks in. Yeah. And he spots the blackfish across the room. And they look at each other for a moment. Edmure turns the corner and goes up the stairs. I think that was sort of like a... Uh, I don't want to say warning, because uh, I don't feel like Edmure was warning Blackfish, I'm going to get you. But it was like, hey, you're in trouble. You need to get out of here. Like, yeah. you're, you're right. I am under the knife. They're going to kill my son or whatever. Uh, but you quit. <laughs> you <know? laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Go while you can. They're still after you, you know. Yeah, and I think that's <clears throat> also, I think that might have been a big part of what Jamie was thinking there as well with Brienne. He didn't, he didn't care about Blackfish getting away. I mean, he cares. He didn't want to encourage that. But he obviously didn't want to have to lock up Brienne. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't need to get Blackfish to go back to King's Landing. Yeah. He needs to get River Run to go yes, back to King's exactly. Landing. exactly. And it's just, it's back to where they were before. You know, if he gets away, well, it's Walder Frey. It's kind of the Walder Frey line. Well, what does he have? I have Tywin Lannister backing me. Who does he have? Well, he doesn't have Tywin Lannister backing him anymore. But now the Blackfish is back to, well, he would have been, he would have been no one. And so yeah. he decided to die yeah. rather than go be no one. He didn't have, there was no men for him to recruit anymore. Those were the men he had to recruit. And they're, you know, it's kind of unclear what happened to those men. I guess they were just sent to their farms and sent home. Uh, Jamie, I, I assume Jamie didn't slaughter them because he, yeah. he, that would be, uh, that would be a bit much. But it's it, interesting too that, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think it's outside of Jamie's character. He's yeah. not cruel. He's like not that. like that. Uh, he's, he's channeling Tywin in a lot of ways, but he's not. He's not Tywin. Yeah. He's not that. And it would not necessarily have been uh, productive. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think Tywin would have either. Those men are potential recruits for a new army. They're, they, you need them to farm the land. Yeah. They, they have value as human beings. You know, if it's you true. just slaughtered them all. It's you, also standard Not only practice. might you turn other lords against you, but you lose the, the resources of exactly. these people. Exactly. So. And they were, they were following orders. And if they follow the orders of their new lord, then they're... Yeah. they're it's fine for them to be who they are. Like if they follow the orders of the phrase, now that the phrase are back in charge of River Run, then yeah, they should. There's no reason not to pardon them. They're they did what they're supposed to do. They clearly loyal. Yeah, like that it, one guy like just. You know, he, I'm sure he had friends and soldiers under him die taking that castle back. And yeah. He the Lord said, "Open a gate. Open a gate." Mm-hmm. Look, you're not. I'm following my Lord said, but he's doing it anyway. You know, like they were loyal. So there's a lot of other interesting things going on. Um, I think that. For example, the Brienne and Jamie was really interesting to me for one reason, and that's it's the sad, Jamie's sadness over having to deal with Brienne. He's a totally different person in the way he deals with Brienne than when he is with anybody else. And partly that's because she's the only person in the world, even including Cersei perhaps, that truly like believes in him as an honorable guy. Uh, and that means something to him because he wants he wants that he knows he kind of part of him kind of thinks that it's impossible that he'll ever be seen as a man who's an honorable man, a just man, because of his reputation and how hard it is to undo a reputation you've had for that long. I mean, it's, his, it's built into his nickname even how you know his his reputation. But Brienne's the one person that was willing to take him at his word. She's the one person that's like Jamie's word is good enough for me. Blackfish was like your word is meaningless. Other people. His word is meaningless. Brienne was like, 
I, you know, he says, I give your, I'll give my word that I won't attack those men. And Brienne believed it. Nobody else, pretty much no one else would have, would have believed it that, that wasn't, you know, like a subordinate of his. Additionally, I think Jamie respects her. Uh, her believing him is more meaningful than a lot of other people would be, right? Mm-hmm. It, it might be meaningful for the Blackfish because he has his own reputation and character, but Jamie knows that Brienne really is uh, honorable. Does that yes, make sense? Yes, that's true. He kind of like Sandor. Jamie knows that that the mountain is not an honorable man. He's not a knight. You know, like Jamie, I'm yeah. sure, has some ideals in his mind about what a knight should be. He joined Kingsguard as a young man w- with other heroes, right? Legends yeah. like Barris and Selmy and and uh, uh we saw him in the flashback at the Tower of Joy. I can't think of his name. Arthur Dane. Arthur Dane, right? Yeah. These are men that Jamie fought and served with right mm-hmm, that he and idolized so yeah he has a concept of what honor is and what a great knight is and he also sees it these lancel got knighted come on <laughs> you know, he he's I, I imagine has a certain distaste for it as well but then he sees brienne he's like she's a real knight she's really honorable he recognized that even if he didn't have the honor that people don't think he does which we kind of he, he does it's just it's weird or hard to explain or whatever but uh but he still appreciates it, admires it, and recognizes it in Brienne. So right I think her, A, he has a appreciation for her as a, a person and a knight. But also, like you said, that her belief in him is more meaningful coming from her. He yeah. knows it's not because he has money or because someone's just doing what they're told. She legit respects him. And her respect is valuable. Yes, yeah, it does. Yeah, I agree with that, and that's it's something that he really—that's partly why he's such a different person around her—is because he's get he gets something from her that he doesn't get from anyone else, and it's it's really meaningful. It shows him how important that is. It's like something he's been missing all his life, and it's it's like a lot of people were hoping that this that this reuniting of Jamie and Brienne would kickstart some feelings that had been dormant. That Jamie started to be, you know, he's on this redemptive arc, sort of. And it's kind of back and forth on that. The more he interacts with his sister, the less the, the backward. It's like a backwards path. Like he, the more he like buys into Cersei's ideals, and I mean, it's not entirely her, uh, but it, it, on his own, I'm not quite sure he would be as you know. She's the more vicious of the two of them for sure. The more vindictive, yeah. and the more uh, paranoid as well. Of course, she has good reason to be paranoid because of the prophecy and all that. But so I'm not trying to say it's all Cersei's fault. Certainly, Jaime is culpable. But at the same time, we haven't seen Cersei's redemption much. She, if if it's ever going to happen, yeah. it isn't happening now. She's right. just getting things are getting worse for her. Whereas Jamie, it's like back and forth. Sometimes he seems to be going towards the path of honor, and then his family pulls him the wrong way. And that was he was confronted with that. You know, Brienne's like, you know, you wouldn't, you know, blah blah blah, honor. And he's like, I'm a Lannister. You know, he's like, it's duty, honor. Dude, it's like it's like the Tully words are being yeah. put in play there. It's like family is still first, duty, duty honor, last, and yeah. same as same as Edmure himself did. He had to give up everything. His duty was to hold the castle. His honor hold the castle, but his baby, his his firstborn son's life is threatened. So family, family first. So that's actually kind of interesting there that that Edmure put his family first. He he upheld the Tully words, perhaps more than the Blackfish did. You know. Uh, Blackfish was about yeah. duty first. Yeah. Uh, and maybe a little honor, bit about honor. Maybe, yeah. <clears throat> uh, yeah, it's arguable which was more in play there, duty or honor, but they both were. And yeah, yeah not as much <coughs> about family. So uh, I just want to 
I'm still kind of thinking about Jamie and Brienne and their relationship and the nature of their characters. That, yeah. Especially when you go back to the scene with Edmure too, because it's kind of revealing. Definitely. I think that Jamie is kind of like surprised and impressed with Brienne for all her like honor, still able to get get her mission done. Because Jamie, in the end, he's like, look, Edmure, I'll fucking kill your baby, man. I don't <laughs> care. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah, we're knights in honor and all this tradition and shit, but look, I'm going to just kill your baby, dude. And a catapult against the stone wall, mm-hmm. I'm going to get what I want. Bran wouldn't go there. You, you know, Jamie is, is willing and able to go to a certain level mm-hmm. to get things done. His, that threat's believable because it's, 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 it's his rep, bad reputation yeah. working for him there. Like, if he was Barristan and Selmy, he couldn't make that threat. Right, right. <laughs> it's like, Selmy, you're not going to do that. You're not going <laughs> to catapult the baby. Get out of here. But Jamie says that, and yeah. t- Tully's like, he, he, he crumbled. Like, he yeah. visibly crumbled. He even whimpered a little. Yeah. It was really good acting. He's like, this is the one thing he cannot deal with he cannot he has no comeback for that his all his defiance is just gone it's like you're threatening my infant son like yeah yeah i mean i really like that scene i think we've seen several scenes along that line where two characters are trying to connect or level with each other and often even characters at odds are trying to explain their position yeah and and through it emir's like I don't have to listen to this shit. You know what I mean? And she's <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. yes, you do, man. Like, hey, you're tied <laughs> this up. This is not a negotiation. Prisoner. I'm going to tell you how yeah, it is. Yeah. And he's trying to, like, lead into it with a story. He's trying to make an example. And he's what he's building up to is, look, I'm going to just kill your kid. I'm going to do what I have to do. I'm trying to connect with you as a brother. I'm trying to connect with you as a father. I'm trying to connect with you. Okay, look, I'm just going to kill your kid, man. Just do it. Yeah. Just, you don't have a choice here, right? He made it really, uh, really clear. He's like, look... He, he made it so believable. He's like, the only thing that matters to me is Cersei. And that, that's believable yeah. from Edmure's point of view. And he's like, look, I'm the, guy who, I'm the guy who stabbed his own king in the back. You think I won't do this? Edmure has no... Just, if Edmure had any doubts, they're too small to get past the pure terror that inspires. So Jamie understands and respects, maybe even wants to be honorable. But he also has and is able and is willing... To just do whatever. You know? Yes. yes. Uh, in fact, I, I remember at one point a long time ago, I didn't even remember if it was on the show, but just like talking about who the best warrior in the land was or might be, you know, the mountain, uh, Jamie, Barrison, and, uh, and I would even want, what about Braun? We saw him kicking Knight's ass. And like, uh, you know, there's this difference between two knights fighting with honor and, you know, fighting with swords on a street versus jousting on a horse in a tournament, you know. And I thought that. And, and we even, in this episode, it was referenced again when yep. Ron's like, look, man, <laughs> you just need to win. That's Don't worry about fighting yeah. in a tournament or whatever. And he <laughs> just, just kind of tricks him and takes him off guard. We saw when he kicked the knight out of the moon door, he fought with honor. How'd that work out? You yeah, know? yeah. And I think that I, one reason I think Jamie might be the best or would have been or could at one point was, maybe not now, but it's because I think he is able to fight as well as anyone with honor in a tournament, jousting on a horse, da da But also, he'll kick in the nuts. He's like, he understands <laughs> Braun, he understands where Braun is coming from, too. Yeah. I think he will just do something dishonorable or whatever. He's been to in just war. Make sure he, that he knows wins, that right? you can't always He's just, a little more yeah. jaded and cynical and practical or whatever. Probably more so, than most, than, yeah. you know, as far as being jaded because of how, you know, it's, from his point of view, how backwards people's views on each other are. And he's like, I like, I did this great thing and everybody hates me and, yeah, and all these other people are not behaving like knights and they get rewarded, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, to him, it's the world is just screwy. Yeah. <laughs> I really love that moment uh, when uh, I thought it was a really good telling moment. There's a lot in a, a really quick, subtle moment between him and Brienne. 
they've had their conversation and they're about to leave. And, uh, and she stops him. She's like, it's the moment when she says, you know, honor will compel me to fight you. And, and he's like, well, let's hope it doesn't come to that. You know, he, yeah. he understood what she was saying and he didn't want that to happen either. But he also was like, well, I'll kill you. <laughs> he did not <laughs> want to dwell on it either. No, he yeah. was like, he kind of like, let's hope it doesn't come to that. He's smiley. And yeah. she's like, no, dude, take this seriously. And he's like. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but but right before that, as they were leaving, what stopped to have that secondary little conversation is she says, "One more thing, Sir Jamie." He's like, "What is it, Lady Brienne?" Yeah. <laughs> he's like, he just found a little humor, and he he, he feels like at what point can we just be two people and drop these? <laughs> where we're like in a tent in private. We've kind of like been through a lot together. You don't have to call me Sir Jamie, you know. Yeah. And again, it just kind of reminded me of how much she is just truly the life of a knight all the time. It's not mm-hmm. a show she's putting on. Yeah. And he, he finds humor in it. He respects it and he appreciates it. Partly because he feels like it's his handicap. She's got one arm tied behind her back when she's trying to save Sansa or whatever it is. He's like, man, I'll use this chopped off arm to kill your baby. I don't, I'm not holding anything behind my back. Uh, but good job to you, Brienne, for doing it even with one hand behind your back. So. Yeah, so I guess we'll just see where that goes. I'm, I'm, it's interesting. They, they, they did all of this pretty quickly. This whole River Run plot was resolved fairly quickly. Jamie's, In fact, we thought the trailer scene of him going into River that whole scene of them marching in, we saw that in the trailers. I thought it was them marching away from River Run. Similar enough difference because it's the vic- victory march, basically. And that means Jamie would be back at King's Landing fairly soon. And that's interesting because, obviously, he's talked about how Cersei needs him. And she does, in fact, because this whole trial by combat plan has gone in the toilet. So Cersei's really running out of options, and Jamie is certainly capable of helping. So hopefully the show isn't setting themselves up for everyone to be like, oh, look, you guys did it wrong <laughs> by giving a date. They set the trial for the, the first of the Mother's season, or yeah, I can't remember how they phrased it. Basically but, Mother's Day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, uh, I wonder what other... No, indicators we've gotten yeah. time to let us know does jamie have time to get back i have no idea to king's landing before that yeah. happens we don't even know how long it took him to get there i mean we we have an idea how long it should take based on book stuff but that's that just doesn't play here they they do their own thing with time because i remember wondering why is this all happening at night you know watching a trailer thinking ahead what why are they moving around at night uh they are they Aren't they two weeks away from King's Landing? Does it matter if they get back in two weeks and four hours? You yeah. know, like so. But uh, again, maybe they're. They, maybe it will matter that it's two weeks and four hours. Maybe it'll be that close. Uh, maybe Jamie will just ride off on his own with a small, small a group rather than trooping thousands of guys all the way back immediately. He can just rush himself back and leave Braun in charge or whatever. You know. Yeah, I agree. Um, and it's so yeah. We we don't really know how that's going to be left. And it's it's definitely still up in the air. Maybe we should... Why don't we actually talk about King's Landing next, since these kind of connect to each other in a bit. Um, I definitely wonder... I'm very curious what Jamie's reaction will be when he gets back and finds out what's happened. Of course, more things will have probably happen by the time he gets back, I would think. Maybe not. Maybe he gets back right as things are happening, right when her trial's getting ready to start. I'm not sure. He's expecting to have missed her trial. But... You know, they apparently has been moved because we said it was said to be happening within a few days back when Marjorie's trial was going to happen. And now they've announced what day it's on, which sounds like it was changed 
potentially. Whether it is or not, it, it's not really clear. But the fact is, Jamie has seems to have more time than we thought. But I still don't think he'll get back in time. But that's just a pure guess. So, but let's dial that back a little bit. Actually, there's one thing we forgot to talk about real briefly. Braun and Podrick reuniting. Yeah. There wasn't maybe a lot to take away from that scene. It was fun. And... It's like you said, there was some kind of an undertone of the type of fighting that matters. You know, Braun is perhaps the epitome of doing anything it takes to win rather than fighting honorably. And if, if Brienne has been teaching Podrick, she probably hasn't been teaching him a lot of dirty tricks. Brienne's yeah. not the dirty trick type. She'll, you know, she's super skilled, of course, but she's probably not big on the throwing dirt in the face and the kneeing in the groin maybe she can do that that's, that's all part of well and good of fighting but I'm guessing she's she's not on bronze level in terms of you know other ways yeah. to like you know street fighting and things like that that's bronze that's his specialty and of course he's also good at the straight up military so that's gonna be that maybe is something interesting Podrick says when he says I'm you know you're still alive and he's like I'm not I'm not yes I'm not dead yet or whatever something like that it's like no don't say that don't say I'm it's not like, dead yet don't, don't say it. that yeah don't <laughs> jinx yourself pod you're already not a central character you know that's not never bodes well well all the central characters die all the time too <laughs> anyway all right so let's let's go to let's go to King's Landing another Another scene with a lot of really good acting in a couple of different spots. Tommen's uncomfortable posture on the throne was very visible. He knew he was kind of betraying his mother and selling her out a bit and wouldn't look at her. And that just had to hurt more for Cersei's point of view. She was really hurt by all this. And you can see that she's got, in both the scenes, you can see that she's a combination of She's trying to keep it all together. She's trying to yeah. keep it in control, but she yeah. loses her composure a few times. She's just like, when Lancel comes to threaten her and to demand her presence at the, this High Sparrow is commanding her. She's she's listening and she's kind of like, no, it was a request and I'm denying it. And then as he's just explaining, he's like, no, get out of here. You know, then she just kind of breaks a little and is like, leave. You know, she's just kind of loses her cool. Yeah. And it's because she's not powerful anymore. She's still powerful. She's just a lot less powerful than she was. We see how Kevin just embarrasses her in front of the court. And that yeah. had to really hurt because of how, I mean, compared to being walked <laughs> naked through the streets, probably didn't hurt all that much. But it still hurt, I'm sure. And she's not going to forget that, I don't think. She also, I will say, is handling it well, as tough as this is. Yeah. Like, she, she could have made more of a scene there. Mm -hmm. But it probably just makes things worse. Yeah. I mean, she knows, oh, yeah. She's like... All right, I'll play by your rules. I'll go with the other conserve the other what ladies, little dignity you know. she can. Yeah, yeah. She she doesn't push it. She 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 starts off with this sort of an arrogance, but when someone like draws a line, she stays on her side of it. You yeah. Know? Uh, and I think at least partly because she's she's patient. You know, she's like waiting for the right moment. Um, it's 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 so partly like she knows she needs to be patient, but inside yeah. she's really anxious. Right. Apparently. She's so spoiling it. I was gonna say a minute ago. I thought that uh, in the beginning of the season, I was trying to defend her or like you may maybe look for a leaf having been turned over that maybe she's what she's gone through and the the realization that this prophecy is coming through true that maybe she would be less vindictive and violent and and uh uh hasty i, I want to say um emotionally reactive you know what I mean? vindictive or whatever and i i think that she maybe is still all those things but more patient she's you know she i think she's internalized what before would have come out more quickly yeah because she's lost her ability to act on it um 
But it does seem like she is. She looked pretty happy to see blood spill when Malin ripped that guy's head off. You know, yes, a little grin there. It was satisfying, and it was uh, like it's what she's been lacking, which is the, yeah. she's been losing power. She's been gradually losing her power and her ability to her influence, and that was a moment of well, I can still do this. You know, like I, it's it's yeah. not all. You know, she's she's not beaten yet. That kind of thing. Yeah. It was a similar expression that Kyburn had because Kyburn hadn't gotten to see him in action much either or at all. And it was a bit of kind of like odd satisfaction for him. It was a little different. Their reactions were, but similar, you know, similar but different. There, there are different things they were looking for there, and, but they both were very pleased with the result. I personally was really looking forward to that scene because I've been really wanting to see the, the mountain in action, and it's you know it's kind of a funny thing to be looking forward to seeing someone get their literally get their head ripped off. <laughs> but I was really expecting more. Uh, to be honest, I thought maybe that the other. Faith Militant would rush into action as well, and he would just slaughter them all. I thought Lancel was doomed. Guess I was wrong. I still think he's doomed. He just, you know, it's delayed a bit longer. <laughs> maybe yeah. maybe not this season. We'll see. But that uh, brings us to... I want to say I, I did okay. appreciate, because I think this is often something I struggle with believing, swallowing sometimes when action scenes happen, is you have the badass, or maybe a couple badasses, whatever, and they're going up against the, the rando thugs, right? And the badass just like, Easily slaughters the first two or three guys, and the next two or three guys are just like, oh, I'll just run on in. And like, at what point are you like, ah, me, I'm not a hero. I don't even have. I'm a red shirt. Like, I'm just gonna stand back and run away. This is. I can't beat. I'm not gonna the guy that's gonna beat this guy. You know, yeah. like I. And these are zealots. They're supposed to like be filled with yeah. faith. Like God will protect us. The seven will protect us. But they're. Real world visceral reaction is is yeah, too like, overpowering. They're like, "Holy crap!" All right, we'll was, we'll just go now. <laughs> that was intimidating as hell. Yeah, <laughs> like, and they, you know, and that was just otherworldly. What happened? Like, a person ripping another person's head off is just beyond. Just trying to human. think like a turkey. You're just trying to take, just like grab the the leg and try to pull it off. No, I mean break pulling the spine apart like that. No, that's insane. what I'm saying. I know. Like, that's what I'm saying. It's yeah, like ridiculous. He, he He's insanely strong. Into, yeah, it's yeah. It's like wow. Remember with Theon <laughs> trying to like hack through, you know, like this with a sword and leverage and swinging down. He with his bare hands ripped it apart. This it's is an, an incredibly incredible strong strength, creature. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he has also just took the mace right to the chest. He didn't, didn't flinch. even flinch. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't even know what that weapon was called. I think I was trying to be to lift someone up off the ground. Like, that guy's got to be 140 or 60 pounds. Uh, yeah, so can yeah. you imagine like just pay a, a barbell with 140 pounds just picking it up? <laughs> yeah, just one-handed. Yeah, and that's, that is the... You know, Throwing it. <laughs> that actor's name is Hafthor, after yeah. all, you know. <laughs> he is the we're one of the world's strongest men. So, yeah, you wonder, was that even a stunt? Could he really do that in real life? You know, yeah, he that really strong? ripped that guy's head off. That, that had to seen three or four times. It's like, oh, we got to have another... Sorry, we need you to have your head ripped off. You know, it's like, dang, we lost a lot of extras in that scene. <laughs> so, so what I was going to say is it sets up what the the possibilities for the mountains exit eventually or Lancel's exit really is what I think is more imminent I think the mountain will be around a bit longer maybe a lot longer hard to say he is going to be awfully hard to kill it's it's particularly hard to kill the undead as we've seen uh the old rumor this is very juicy the old rumor that Kyburn is supposed to be looking into if he just said the rumor that would open up so many possibilities, it would be really hard to even nail them, to, to even mention them all, let alone discuss them. Possibilities like, well, Cersei wanted him to find out about the rumors of who killed Joffrey. 
or the rumors of, uh, you know, something else going on with the Tyrells. The rumors and of affair this of the and that. Sparrowhead. Sure, yeah. something. There's a million possibilities. Where Olin is going. Yeah, there's so many options, but old rumor narrows it down. And when we come back after our mid-episode ad break, I'll tell you what I think is the farly, by far the most likely thing that's going on here. I'll say I have another big thought about this whole scene. Cool. Too, All right. Excellent. So multiple ideas in just a moment. Okay. So I'll give my idea first. You give yours. We'll, we'll let everyone marinate on those ideas and then we'll go, we'll discuss the merits of both ideas. My thought is that remember what we talked about with regards to the visions and Bran seeing the Mad King and the Pyromancers and Wildfire. Well, this is where I think this is going. The old rumor would have something to do with the wildfire that was never set off. The Jamie stopped them from setting off, but the wildfire was still there to be set off, and it wasn't necessarily dismantled. And so that could be the ace in the hole here for Cersei slash Kyburn. Something to do with setting off wildfire, which has all kind. And of course, as we talked about, that would explain the hole in the roof from Danny's vision, why King's Landing would be gutted. In other words... This could get really out of control. If she tries to do something with wildfire, it gets out of hand. King's Landing itself. We could be talking about King's Landing being completely destroyed by wildfire. Oh my god, that would be huge. Especially if she kills her own son with it somehow. Especially if Tommen is killed by it. Uh. She might be aiming for the High Sparrow. Obviously she'd be aiming for the High Sparrow and some of the other faith. But maybe she gets Marjorie. Maybe she gets Loras. Maybe she gets Tommen. Uh, first of all, I want to say I am... With you on this. That, that's exactly what I took that to be. I, I have a thought about a, t- a different thing. Cool. We'll get to that in a second. But uh, on this, I th- I thought that I also just assumed, as soon as she said it, that she's they were talking about the wildfire that left over from the Aries had set. Um, and it's also possible that some of it was found or dismantled or no. Like, you can imagine Jamie probably gave some kind of warning. Yeah, yeah. But they might not have got all of it. Or might mm-hmm. have purposefully not got all of it. Um, yes. And... Uh, I did. I was starting to form in my head this thought that King's Landing was going to be burned to the ground after those visions and think about how things were going, especially because I keep thinking that Cersei's going to have to flee, that everyone else is leaving King's Landing. But I started to reconsider that maybe not the whole city gets burned to the ground, that maybe just the throne room gets just burned to the ground. Just a lot of it. <laughs> a lot of it, or maybe just the throne yeah, room. Yeah, but, but the important part, yeah, the uh, throne room, right. Red Keep maybe. <clears throat> and, uh, excuse me, the throne room, though doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense if she's trying to target the Sparrow or disrupt the trial. Yeah, it would have to get out of control she and would, spread. Right. Yeah. Uh, I think Shay and I went back and found a, a reference where Jamie had, Jamie did say, and I, I don't, I'm not going to quote exactly, but I think he said, the Sept, the Red Keep, and all over the city, or something to that effect, is hmm. where, where he in, said in, that it in was. In reference to Oh, where the, where where the wildfire Jamie said wildfire was. had been set, yeah. Mm, okay. Uh, I think when he was talking to Brienne. If he specifically sure. named the Sept, that is very telling. Right. But that still doesn't exist. And so in my mind, maybe just a set will be burned out. I'm like, no, wait. We saw the throne room and this vision, at least, with snow coming through a missing ceiling. Yeah. Uh, so I th- one thought I have is maybe, uh, at first I started to think that maybe the throne room, they'll set the throne room on fire as a distraction. If they set the throne room on the front in the middle of the trial, mm. all of a sudden there'll be a panic in a city and the trial will be disrupted. You know, and a minimum will be delayed or mm. maybe set up Cersei's escape or something. But then we, we did hear Jamie specifically say that it was in the Sept also. So mm. maybe a little more worried about the... Maybe... I was thinking that it might be more contained rather than destroying the whole city. 
but uh, reevaluating based on the fact that it was pointed out to us in the past that the sept and the throne room and all over the city, we saw the throne room burned. It's hard to say for sure, but those are the, the ideas swirling around in my head from the, the, the bits of clues that have been given us. So. Burn them all. Yeah. <laughs> but, and which also, right, we did see that that's the, the line we got from, from Ares. <laughs> yep. You know, so. <clears throat> yep. If he's, it's kind of a oblique view of the future by looking at the past. But remember, when we analyzed that scene, the scene of the wild, wildfire erupting and flowing into the chamber where the other wildfire was stored. No evidence that ever happened. So that could be a vision of what's coming. Right. And we talked about that at the time. And now we have this very straightforward vehicle for how that might happen. And, of course, Kyburn brings that up only after their other option is exhausted. It's like, well, because the, the mention that trial by combat would be banned throughout the Seven Kingdoms was something that we sort of predicted. We, we guessed that that was a strong possibility. Whether or not it would be that specific, we did name that as a possibility. But in general, our prediction was, come on. High Sparrow knows that Cersei has the mountain, and he's checked her every move, and this is way too obvious. Like, he knows she has the mountain, he and he knows that no one can beat the mountain in one-on-one. So, you know, as zealous as he is, as faithful as he is, he's not stupid. He knows all these things that we just said. So, this is how he gets around it. We knew he'd get around it some way. We didn't know what it was specifically, but we knew he was aware of this. We knew he would check this move. Sure enough... He checked it thoroughly. But mm-hmm. you know what's funny is, I kind of agree with him. <laughs> the drive-by combat's kind of bullshit. <laughs> uh, on one hand, I, I kind of think that it is. The timing of it is obviously yeah. very, it's very bullshit, bullshit itself, as well. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but it's worth noting, in, in our in real-world history, that was it. People genuinely believe in God. Oh, I agree. And that I agree. he would act through men. That's how the king is chosen. He's divinely chosen by God. This guy yep. is the king, because God said so. Mm-hmm. And uh, the idea of having... A trial by combat is, you know, Tom had said in his little speech that it's, it's an it's a excuse to get out of true uh, combat. But yes. that to me, that's almost like saying you don't believe in your own God. You don't think your God <laughs> has enough power to make this trial work out the way it should. You don't have faith in your... I, I feel like it's hypocritical on, on multiple levels. Uh, but uh, <clears throat> it is a, a reality check. That even someone who's a fanatic, you know, the Sparrow, well, man, if I want to win his trial, I can't rely on the gods. Mm. So you're right, he, she's got the mountain. Those faith militant coming against Cersei, they weren't relying on the <laughs> gods, they weren't fighting the mountain, you know. On a certain level, however fanatical you are, is when reality is in your face. Uh, so here's here's the thing that I, that I was wondering about, that may just be completely curtailed if the whole city gets burned down, but what if the Sparrow gets his way what if cersei goes on trial no combat witnesses come forth and she's found guilty of adultery and incest and tommen is not the legitimate king what does the sparrow what's the next thing does does the sparrow not foresee that as a way that it could go i think that part of his plan i don't think it is he's too smart for that we haven't seen him make any blatantly obvious mistakes at least not yet and he does seem to be aware of the politics around the situation. So I think that's a really good point that you raise. But I'm not sure they're going to bring up incest in the trial because of that very reason. That, you know, he same reason he doesn't bother to go after Jamie despite all Jamie's crimes. So he doesn't have a reason to. There's no political gain for it. There, so it's the same thing here. Why would he go after something that has negative political gain for him? But even if he doesn't go after it, it still might come out. But who was going to bring it up? If he's, if, okay, consider uh, this. 
it's a trial in front of septons at the great at the sept. Every single one of these judges, whoever they are, the high sparrow is going to have spoken with ahead of time. There's no there's no random person that's going to bring that up. This is all engineered. You know what I'm saying? It could be brought up. I'm not saying it's impossible. Yeah. But I just really really doubt it'll happen because <coughs> everything we've seen the high sparrow do is building his own power and this would be really really against making him you know this would be a huge step back for him so it just seems like he's not going to make such a horrible mistake i i, I want to agree with you i tend to agree with you and i don't know the nature of the trial i don't know if it will be public will anyone else be present will kevin be there will if it's the being held in, if it's being held in the great be there? if it's you being know? held in the great sept it will be public right so uh are there going to be witnesses called can, but Cersei again, witnesses, call a witness? witnesses can't just bring up new topics. That's yeah. not how it works. Right? I mean, yeah. you can, someone could just blurt it out. The incest, blah, blah, blah. But if no one pursues that line of questioning, it's yeah. not going to matter. Maybe no one will. But again, what, what is she on trial for? For murder. For murdering the king. That's what Lancel knows. That's what Lancel's aware of. I mean, he's aware of the, uh, the, the incest as well. But that doesn't mean he talked about it. And even if he did, it doesn't mean they'll bring it up at trial. The thing yeah. she's on trial for is murdering the king. For right. for being in yeah for murdering Robert. I do Robert. remember there was a scene when she was when he was letting her go last season. Yeah. And uh, and she, I'm gonna let you go see your son. You're gonna have to make this walk of atonement. Yes. And then they talk for a minute, and then he says something about. But then when your trial comes, da 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 da. She's like, wait, my trial. And he's like, well, there's still other crimes you're accused of. Yeah. And I thought he named incest as one of them. I thought he said. If incest. he did, then then that's very interesting. But I really don't think yeah. he did. So um, we'll just have to. Since we don't know, we'll just yeah. have to leave that. I, I, I partly wonder if it is part of his plan. I can't think of how it would go, but maybe he does expect it to come out and has a plan for it. Yeah, that's possible, uh, too. That's very and possible. And I also wonder at what point Cersei might just admit to it. Like, if she feels like she's going down anyway. If she's found guilty of killing a king, she's just going to be killed anyway, right? What else could this be? Well, then I also she, wonder but how... But see, that's, that means she's putting her son in danger, which is the la absolute last thing she would do. She's. I assume that you're right... But I, but is it, even if it's the absolute last thing that she would do, she may have to do the absolute last thing. If her for son, what purpose though? Why would she do it? She's going to be put. Her son is having a trial where she's going to be put to death at the end. Yeah, but why would that? Why would she spill that over onto him? Why would she say, "Well, if I'm going to die, my son's going to come coming with me"? Um, where does that like that doesn't seem that doesn't fit? She if she loves her son, she wants him to live. Why would she do something so blatantly likely to to be dangerous and, and deadly to him? Do you think she, so? You think she's willing to die? You think she's just going to be killed yes, by her I son without uh, it, admitting that her son isn't legitimate? Absolutely. What would it gain her? It's uh, it, it, if it would save her own life, then maybe you have a point. But if it's just going to make Tommen die, also, there's no why. That's just, that doesn't make any sense. That's that's borderline silly. Like, why would she? Unless it's going to save her. Like, if she's going to die anyway, there's no reason for her to drag Tommen into it with her. Right. What if she can do it uh, in a less public way? What if she can hint at it? In a no. trial? I mean, what good is yeah. that going to do? I don't know. I don't, know. It's, it's, I don't, I don't think know. this. I don't think this is worth pursuing. We just don't have all the details, and we'll just have to wait and see. Um, so, what else is there for King's Landing? I think the. I think the, another interesting thing to think about is the way things have shifted at King's Landing. Everything is really before in the past. King's Landing has been about a lot of different things happening, and we see a lot of multi, a lot of points of view. It's really Cersei's point of view now. Yeah. In a lot of ways. It's really, everything is from her perspective, in a sense, you know, not 100%. We obviously still have the occasional scene with something that doesn't involve her. But those things are mostly exposition. We see Cersei planning. We see her secrets. The other things we find, she is confronted with them as they come out. Like, oh, 
No trial by combat. We talked about that behind the scenes, and you're being confronted with that. Cersei's plans and schemes we are at least somewhat well aware of. These other things are being done off screen and presented to us. So yeah, we're kind of the viewer's point of view is very similar to Cersei's point of view. And again, this is another spot where there's really great facial acting. As, as she's watching Tommen and as these things are coming out, she kind of, and when I make this announcement and you can see her kind of like her anxiety, like, uh-oh, what's coming? <laughs> what's coming next? Yeah, I thought it was really, really well done. Lena Headey's really just awesome as Cersei. I, I wasn't even a huge fan of her in season one, but I think she's, she totally won me over. She's just Yeah, great. yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, Tommen, as a, as a character, I feel like I have a hard time liking him, especially at this point. I'm guessing most <laughs> most viewers do. But I think as an actor, he's also doing yeah, a really oh, good yeah. job. Yeah, oh, yeah. Maybe uh, one of the best scenes he's had. Like, it's really hard for all that guilt. Yeah. You know, he couldn't look at her, and he, he just, like, the way he's kind of, like, shifting in his seat. He was uncomfortable. Yeah, that was, was really good. Voice a little uneven. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't exactly... De uh, I decree. He was like, I decree after, also... After you know. much thought and uh, prayer... Um, I think we've decided that... Uh, and you uh, see the tone of the court has really changed, too. He's, when he finishes, it's like seven blessings, and everyone just... Seven blessings, or they all repeat it. It was like, ooh, this is really like everyone's getting really religious here. <laughs> uh, I, I will say another th a thought that I had at one point was I wonder what kind of conversation Elena and Kevin had when she left. Is he aware she left? And mm -hmm. you're talking about how it seems to be mostly from Cersei's perspective. I think there is one other perspective that we're getting. Marjorie's. I think we get Marjorie's. Yeah, we had been. We just, it's, it seems to have, yeah. since she's been, yeah, it's true. It's, it, we, we kind of argue, you're right. We're, we've been getting a lot of her point of view, and it's just that her point of view is so narrow because she's been in prison. She exactly. hasn't, she hasn't had room to maneuver. In the past, we were getting many different people's perspectives. Yeah. And it has narrowed down a lot. And, excuse me, I think it's primarily well, Cersei. Common's point of view before. Now it's, it's not, I, at it's first, not. I was thinking, no, we see a lot of the Sparrow's perspective. Well, we just see him interacting with Cersei or with uh, yeah. Jamie, who's gone now, or with Marjorie. We never you see know? him like behind closed doors planning. We just right. see like, what is he up to here? What is this dialogue telling us? What is he after? We like we didn't good. see we him with Loras. We don't see him with it. We saw him with Marjorie. Yeah, and we see him with Cersei. And we saw him with Tom and the one time, but it's yeah. really that's the whole like, you know, winning him over. You know, like sinking yeah. his little. There are a couple exceptions, and... but as a whole. I, I agree with what you're saying. As a yeah. whole, King's Landing has been narrowed down to Cersei's perspective and I think Marjorie's perspective. And we get a splash of other people here and there. Yeah. Like Jamie, but he's gone now. So. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like the Sparrow. When we see things from the Sparrow sort of perspective, it's more like it's more like we see what is he up to. It's like a, we get we, we get you know the the cloak and dagger. We get the what is you know we're trying to read into his mannerisms and his plans. With Cersei, it's where we see the plans being made. Yeah. You know, I think that's a, a distinction to make, um, even when they're on screen different amounts of times. So I think, yeah, we could be up for a really big moment at some point here. If this wildfire thing is real, it's going to be, ooh, it could be huge. I mean, devastating. Uh, I really, it's hard to predict with something like wildfire. Wildfire is unpredictable. And it may not even be what's happening at all. This wild, you know, we might be wrong about the wildfire thing. <laughs> That might come later, or not at all. I think, well, it's going to come at some point. I can't imagine Brand's visions were just, not, you know, they didn't matter. <laughs> so it's got to come up some some. Point. It seems like a pretty likely one, but we'll have to wait and see. Do you have anything more on King's Landing? Nothing I can More on of. Cersei, or Kevin, or Tommen, or the High Sparrow. We didn't, it's funny, the High Sparrow's thoughts and plans and schemes were all over this episode, but he didn't, himself did not make an appearance. Okay, let us move onward. 
to Marine, which is actually the last scene. It looks like we're getting through things a little bit faster than usual. That's sometimes what happens with resolution episodes. There's less to discuss because it's the setup is where you've got to think about all these different possibilities. Um, you know, when there's a theory, sometimes you have like five different subversions of theory. But when you see the resolution, it's like, ah, that's what happened. You know, ah, that's what we can talk about where we were wrong. Maybe we talk about our thought process, but. There's also been less different storylines being hit on each episode. The first oh, few true. episodes, it were more all the different characters, even if it's only one or two quick scenes, we had so many different things to be talking about. Now we're getting several scenes lasting a little bit longer, but only on fewer characters. So yeah, that's less tangents to very go off true. Onto, so. Very true. Okay, so Marine, there's actually a lot going on here. There's a couple different scenes. I guess there's about three or four different scenes. Scenes in Marine. Rhyme in there. Uh, we start with Varus and Tyrion, and this 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 is very puzzling to me. This is one of those things that's a setup that we don't know exactly where it's going because he's going on some mission, and he mentions how important ships are. So who is he going to? Where is he going? There's very little clue here, so we really have to dig deep and think about it. Couple possibilities. One, the if you go back to Arya. And this maybe seem a little random. Lady Crane says the play is moving on to Pentos next. And Pentos is where Illyrio's manse is. That's where Tyrion and Varys first stopped off when they got to Essos. I don't know why Varys would need to go to Pentos specifically in order to do this secret mission. Because it sounds like it has something to do with Westeros. It's like Danny's going to need allies. Blah, blah, blah. So he's, it's, I'm going to bank that he's doing something to do with getting a navy. And he said, there's two things he said. He said, we need friends in Westeros and we need ships. Yeah. Now, he might be able to do both those things in Westeros. He might be able to go to Westeros and go to the Iron Islands. And that might be pretty good. Yeah. If he shows up in the Iron Islands and says, hey, we need a thousand ships. Like, oh, really? I got a thousand ships. I was heading your way. You know, that, mm-hmm. that could all come together. But maybe he's going to go somewhere else to get ships and go to Westeros to make allies with King's Landing. You know? Yeah. Who knows? It could be just some completely unknown third party. That would be a little cheap. I think it makes more sense to go with what's been put out there already. So I agree with you that this is very strong chance. It has something to do with negotiating with the Iron Islands. And it could relate to Euron or it could relate to Asha and Yara. Damn it. Yara and Theon. And interestingly, I was I was wondering, you know, Asha and Theon, their arrival at Marine. I wonder, you know, you're wondering when that's going to happen. And maybe, you know... This navy that's assaulting Marine, this could be their way out. You know, maybe Ash and Theon attack this navy and win, and that wins brings them into the fold with Danny because they've obviously performed some great service. Seems like the dragon could do a lot of damage to those ships or the dragons. You know, another thing that might be set up here that'd be interesting, maybe a little further down the road, but if Yara shows up at Marine with her navy, yeah, helps save the day. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, Varus goes to the Iron Islands to get Euron. Mm. Then Euron's like, yeah, let's do this. And they head back. Yeah. And Danny's already made an alliance with Yara. So then you have, you know, Ooh, that would yes. be an interesting conflict for them having to come to terms with each other. Yeah, or fighting amongst each other when there's this bigger mission that's, that's more important, you know. I like it's it. It's a typical yeah, a theme, idea. you know, typical conflict in the show. So That's a good call. Um, backing <laughs> up a little... There's one of the underlying themes to this scene with Tyrion is his loneliness. I think that's a really big, important point here. Varys leaving was kind of a big deal to him. And I think that's partly why he's trying to drink with 
with uh, with Masande and Grey Worm is he's he's lonely. He's got no friends, and he even mentions he's like. The Impstalite. He talks about his making his own vineyard. The Impstalite. I would only share it with my closest friends or my good friends or whatever. And he's like, well, who are those? Who are your good friends? Like, yeah. Braun? Yeah. You know? Varys? Like, these are your friends, huh? You know, you don't really have close friends. You know, you, you your brother's out there, I guess. But, you know, those guys are a world apart. And Jamie's more loyal to Cersei than he is to Tyrion by, by far at this point. Yeah, I don't know. It's 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 that's an interesting underlying theme there is Tyrion's loneliness and his uh, aimlessness in a sense. He's got a purpose. He's got you know things to work on, but it's it's reinforced by the way I, it was in the background. But once again, Tyrion presented as a bad guy in the play when Lady yeah, what's her name, Lady uh, Crane, Lady Crane came back in in the background. You hear Tyrion's character come on the stage and you know. To, to, Acting villainous, you know what I yeah. mean? We saw the crowd reacting to him being a bad guy. It makes me wonder again how things are going to play out when it seems like the public is being portrayed as thinking of him as a villain. His family is going to think of him as a villain. His yeah. kingdom, his... What friends? He, and he's like, <laughs> you know, uh, considering himself, you know, that he doesn't have close friends. He's not going to be set in the public. And what if Danny comes back mad at him for this deal that he made? What if he's rejected here too? I don't know if it would go that far, but Tyrion it's might very be in possible. A tough spot. Yeah, Daenerys says nothing as she enters. She just walks in, the unsullied bat kneel, and everybody's like, "All right, she's back, and Drogon's with her. That's great. Things can happen." So it's they're reunited, but yeah, there's there may be a little reckoning for how things have been done in her absence, and you know Tyrion points out, "Well, yeah, I was wrong. You know, etc. Didn't work like I thought it would." Um, you know what? Something makes more sense in retrospect now. We were all very puzzled by, and, and even to the point where we were coming up with conspiracy theories, the fleet being burned. The Miranese fleet being burned earlier in the season. Oh, makes a lot of sense now. Fleet, so they could attack with their own yep, fleet. They could attack with their own fleet, and, yeah. and then, so they didn't have, like, no, they couldn't patrol. That's why they didn't, like, see it coming. They were caught off guard. Yeah. So that, that makes a lot of sense. And by the way, that was awesome. The ships and those fire catapults, the flaming fire ship catapult trebuchets things, that was really, really yeah. cool looking. Man, that was like totally unexpected too. Like nothing in the trailers. That was that did not make even a split second of that in the trailers as far as we saw. So that was just really out of nowhere and very, very cool. Uh, it's pretty safe to assume that Daenerys's vast army is lagging behind. You know, she's able to get there a lot quicker yeah. given her dragon and all. So, really, who knows what's going to happen now. Danny's plans, there's a lot of ways this can go. She can just try to send her dragons at the ships, and the ships would probably be pretty helpless against that. The Greyjoys could come in and help, and that could be their way to, like you said, that could create all kinds of conflict going forward if, if Danny was thankful to them and brings them on board. On board, heh. Only to have conflict with Euron later. You made me see Euron. I, said, I usually say Euron. <laughs> and... So there's just, that's it's just really hard to predict where that's going to go. And we've got Missande and we've got Grey Worm and all these other characters to balance out. We still have, obviously the Harpies are still a major force. Those ships had Harpy, those were Harpy sails, you know. So, yeah, I'm pretty excited for that. I wonder, I, I, but partly because it's, it's one of these things that this season has been full of surprises for book readers because it's well past the books, most of the plot lines. This is a good example of that. With no idea what's coming. And this, amongst all the plot lines, is, at this point, has become very hard to predict. Danny's arc going north to the to Vase Dothrak and the Dash Kaleen 
eh. I feel like that was, it had a lot of great points. I didn't, I'm not saying I didn't like it, but it, a lot of it was predictable. You know, Danny's, yeah. Danny was never in that much danger. Like, come on, Danny's not going to die. At least not yet. Let's, let's be honest. You know, maybe Dario will. Jorah's got his thing going on. There wasn't much tension around Danny herself, though. And there still maybe isn't a lot of tension with around her now, but what's she going to do? Like, I didn't know how she was going to win over the Kalasar, the giant Kalasar, but I felt pretty confident she would. And I'm pretty sure she's going to come out ahead in all of this stuff with Marine, yeah. but I really don't know how, and it's and it's sound, it could be really epic. Like, we could see a lot of dragon action. These navies provide you know, a lot of visual goodies, so I'm, I'm excited about the possibilities. I do want to say one thing. Tyrion wasn't exactly wrong. Yeah, you're right. He wasn't completely right, but there was peace in the city, right? Mm -hmm. He he didn't anticipate or predict or expect or wasn't able to defend against being attacked by sea from these other cities. Yeah. But part of their concern was the city right now on the streets, the the people's safety from being attacked by each other, the the they at least had peace within the their city. economy and, yeah. and and so on. And there was a victory. There was a positive side. Um, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't like Tyrion completely screwed everything up. Right. You know what I mean? If he hadn't done what he did, this probably still would be happening. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I Their agree. fleet still got burned. The other, the slave masters from the other cities were still going to come attack. Tyrion just staved it off and got peace in the city for the meantime. Mm -hmm. So it, I feel like it's a little easy, a little unfair to like blame this all on Tyrion. Yeah, no, I mean, it, you're, it's a good point because what could he have done? Like, had he done something else? You're right. The same thing would have happened, most likely. He it's not just, like they were unprepared. It's he not should like have just built like, a thousand ships. That's what he should have done. <laughs> <laughs> all the trees there, Marine. Yeah, was in the uh, desert near the pyramids yeah. there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's very much in the air. I agree with what you're saying that Tyrion is taking some of the blame, but to be fair, it's not like it would have gone well if, if they had necessarily done differently. And Vara's point is out the same thing. He's like, look, it's like saying the razor, you know, the razor you used to shave with because it worked once that it's going to keep working, that it can't cut you now. You know, that, I, I, that was a pretty good way to put it. And I also liked the, you know, the scene with the... The, the jokes and they're trying to make jokes and all. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, you know, trying yeah. to humanize uh, this these people that have had hard upbringings. You know, Grey Worm. I, I thought Tyrion's one line about you know who's told you the Unsullied can't drink. You know, yeah, that, that was a really good way to make Grey Worm think. It's like, yeah, you're right. Like, uh, why am I obeying that command? <laughs> the masters gave me that one, and I was amused by anyone who doesn't drink is disrespecting our queen. But, you know, and some people didn't like this. They thought it was a waste of time. But I just thought this really spoke to him being lonely. Like, he's just lonely. He wants people to hang out with and drink with and, and feel like he's a human being. And he's in a foreign realm with customs and culture he doesn't really understand, which is thrown in his face how wrong he was. You know, even though, like we said, it didn't necessarily, wouldn't have necessarily gone a lot better if they had done something differently. But... He's just really constantly confronted by this, and, and it's I think it's interesting and compelling for his character. And he's had a lot less screen time than I think he's had in any other season. So they're trying to maybe get a little, you know, get the, as much bang for their buck as they can out of such a great actor. And, uh, yeah. I could see someone feeling like this is a waste of time. I don't. I, I'm the other way around. I think that this type of scene should be happening more all over with all the other characters. Mm -hmm. uh, and given there is so much to do and so many other characters cover, 
maybe people I can see someone doesn't want the time to be spent on this because they want to have more of some of the thing. But I do want this, and mm. I'll take what I can get. And I wish they did more of this elsewhere. I think this is some genuine acting, genuine characters, genuine interaction between pe- these are real people. They're not just like images with the name going through actions. They're humans with personalities and we and that's what's really interesting to me i don't really care how good someone is with the sword or who won the battle from the da 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 i want to know how people talk to each other yeah. i want to know how people feel about each other right i want to know people's personalities and characters and that's what comes out in a scene like this and i will also say i've recognized something about myself i really find it funny when someone is trying to be funny and fails. <laughs> I, that's my favorite kind of humor I love on The Office when Michael Scott makes a joke wrong. <laughs> Those are the funniest jokes to me. <laughs> and the one when Miss Sunday told the joke and Tyrion like, recognizes a bad joke, but he didn't want to discourage the activity. So I was like, ha, 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 ha. Yeah, that's his so laugh funny. was really good. <laughs> and then Vir- or, uh, Grey Worm's like, that is that the worst the joke I <laughs> ever heard. You know? I thought all that was really well done. It was, yeah. it, I, it was awkward, and it was slow. It was supposed to be And it was awkward. real life, yeah. and I really liked it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're right. It was very realistic, I think. Because they don't, like, Tyrion does not have, like... They have so little in common. And even Varus and... I mean, I keep calling Grey Worm Varus for no reason at all. Grey Worm and Masande have a lot in common, but even they have a lot separating them, even though they have so much yeah. in common, especially compared to Tyrion. But they all have big differences in their upbringing and lives, even though two of them were brought up as slaves. But, yeah, it just goes to show, like, Tyrion is just... his. It's just hard for him to connect with him. He, and he forgets. Like, he tried to make a joke about Westeros. He great houses that just falls yeah. completely flat it's funny to us you know but it's the same thing he's like trying to be funny and failing and it's like yeah <laughs> it just shows like where is their common ground they just have very little struggling even like humor like that's one thing that a lot of people can yeah. or drinking to, like everyone's like everyone drinks every culture has drinking you know not even that <laughs> and he's like Masande started to come around on it a little bit she's like yeah actually this is good but yeah, and then of course it's interrupted by the fire ships arriving, and, and it's all real life happens. Stupid you fire know, ships. at least they looked really cool. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, really, really good scene. I, I agree with you there. I like that scene a lot. It it, it it was up there, very different then, but similar in a ballpark sort of way of, to the Edmure Jamie scene, where it was all about acting and the way these people felt. And these believable, very believable reasons for the way they feel. Which is funny because the show often kind of forgets why people are the way they are. You know, their motivations sometimes are lost and things, some details are forgotten. Like, you, you pointed out the whole incest thing. Like, why isn't, why aren't people talking about that more? You know, why isn't that part of the trial? Why? And well, I, I think I gave a pretty good reason for why the High Sparrow doesn't want people to bring that out. But it makes sense that it would be talked about more. So it's cool when they really... Z- hone in on these characters' personalities and bring some of that to life and make them more human. Because with some of this plotline rushing, some of the speed with which some of these things happen, they can't spend a lot of time on it, so they have to really, when they do it, it has to really pack a punch, which means you have to have the grid acting. You have to have the strong facial reactions. You have to do that. It has to be done well. And so when we get it, and we got a lot of it this episode, they usually do a good job of it. I think that's it's a strength of the show, partly because it's cast really well and because these actors are really, really good. <laughs> and the characters are distinct and unique. And uh, yeah. I mean, think about how many different characters. I, I've said this before when I make my notes each week, I kind of list out all the characters. There's 50-something characters. And uh, 
I can imagine some people might think I stretch which names I bother to write down, where other people are like, you didn't even write down so-and-so. Like, I could easily get up to 100 if I was trying. But even if I cut it in half, 25 characters? And this is the <laughs> currently following characters that we're looking at, as opposed to characters from the past that haven't been around forever because they died or went elsewhere, you know, Ned and so on. They all, they're not just, like, a face with a name. They're not... It's not just the girl with the whip, the girl with the dagger. <laughs> you know, there's there so many characters that have real personalities and thickness to them. You know, they aren't, they aren't and, three people with one personality. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, so I think that wraps up our non-spoilery discussion. You got something to say? I did. I did forgot one point I wanted to make. Okay. Especially because we were talking about Tyrion and how few allies he has and how things are maybe turning sour for him. Yeah. There, I even had this thought when he's walking with Varys and uh, he goes to the ship. They don't want to be seen together heading out for the secret mission with the most famous dwarf in the city. I, I like in that the world. line. In the world. I yeah. like that line a lot. <laughs> that was and it especially kind of contrasts how Tyrion, like, it's lonely at the top. It's a, a theme that often is in the show. It's a pyramid, right? too. It's kind of like yeah, literally yeah. the top. That's kind of um, but, but, sorry, I was thinking, that was a little tangent, good one, but uh, I was worried about his safety. He's just walking around, like, everyone yeah, knows second who he time is, that's happened, worried yeah. about that. And, you know, maybe there's people, maybe there's guards at a distance, or, you know, maybe he's just too bold. Maybe they're sure, more sure about the safety of the city. Once again, we weren't quite sure how long it had been. We knew, I think it was just last episode, they talked about, it had been two weeks since there had been any incident of violence, you know, so maybe it's been two yeah. months now. Yeah. But, my point is... Cersei's bounty? Is it still out on his head? Probably. You know what I mean? I mean, like she's that? not in charge anymore, so it's kind of not clear whether they would uphold that. It's, yeah, I don't know. They may not uphold it, but just imagine people, Cersei people said, hey, I'll that. give you a bunch of money if you bring me this dwarf's head. Yeah. Then Cersei gets locked away. But there's still some dude that's been traveling for two weeks he in doesn't Atlantis know. that doesn't yeah. know what's going on with Cersei. He's just trying yeah. to find that dwarf's head. Mm. I don't know if that's a factor at all, but just something I couldn't stop thinking about. Okay. One thing that I also forgot to mention that is neat, in fact, it should have been mentioned last week, maybe even the week before, last week probably, Yara and Theon going to Slaver's Bay, showing up in Marine, creates an interesting situation. Tyrion could find out what happened to Sansa. Yeah. Through Theon. Yeah. Theon knows, that true, she yeah. doesn't know that she's gone north and has teamed up with Jon Snow and all that. She know. I mean, he knows that that's where she was going. He doesn't know where things are now, but he knows... That she's alive, that she got out of, you know, Winterfell alive, she got escaped the Boltons, blah, blah, blah. I don't even know if Tyrion knows she was with the Boltons. <laughs> He's probably out of the loop on that because that happened after he fled uh, King's Landing. So he may not know any of that. So that's interesting. Just, you know, it, it's not a huge plot point because I don't know that he's going to do anything differently because he finds this out. But it's neat to know, you know, it's it'll make him think you know it could it'll be it could be a good acting moment <laughs> it also might be another moment where we get people together that have been on the show since the beginning that haven't interacted or at least haven't interacted in a long time i don't think theon has ever said a word to Tyrion. can you remember no they have they interacted at winterfell in season one did they okay yeah yeah just i thought that they may have i just can't remember specifically he they they kind of taunted each other theon taunted uh Tyrion about how his uncles burned the ship's Atlantisport. That's right. Back yeah. in the yeah. Balon's Rebellion and Tyrion fired back with, yeah, how'd that go for you? you yeah. know, how'd that work <laughs> out for you? Yeah, nothing like a bunch of screaming men, burning men to like make your day or whatever it was. He was. I think Tyrion came out ahead on that exchange. He threw him the coin and was like, 
That's right. You know, yeah, like I slept the with, redhead. Or I whatever, slept yeah. with your favorite, <laughs> your <Yeah>. favorite uh, <laughs> prostitute. <laughs> so yeah, that, but that's about it. So yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't be a fond memory for either of them. But in any case, okay. So thanks to our history of Westeros bards, that would be Joey Townsend for the theme music, <coughs> Jesse Kowal for the cover of the theme music that we use at the end of our episodes. And thanks, of course, to our Patreon supporters. You can become a Patreon supporter by going to historyofwesteros.com and clicking on the Patreon link in the upper right corner. Or just go straight to patreon.com slash historyofwesteros. Check it out. We've got a lot of different titles, a lot of different rewards. Get episodes early. Get your own nickname and title. We come up with the titles for you if you want. You can always use your own if you have one ready or if you want to come up with something. But we can come up with one for you if you want. I'm getting to be... Uh, an old uh, expert at that sort of thing. I'm getting uh, a lot of practice in making up cool names. So, And I enjoy doing it. So, hey, it's win-win. Thanks to First Lord Cash Craig, Hand of the King, Lord of Mines, and Lord of Makers. Thanks to Lord Jim the Fortuitous of Wars and Politics of Ice and Fire blog and Warden of the West. Thanks to Lord George Stormsville the Cunning, Lord of the Chiliad and Warden of the East. Thanks to Lord John Reed of Castle Woodbridge, the Lord Borealis, the Light of the North, and Warden of the North. Much better Warden than Ramsay, that's for sure. Letty Kelly McMath of Covington, Lady of the Villa Hills and Crescent Springs, Warden of the South. Much better ruler than Alaria, most likely. Outside the realm, we have Rory the Rogue, Archer Extraordinaire, and King Beyond the Wall. I am quite sure the Hound wouldn't speak to him the way he spoke to the Brotherhood Without Banners Archer. Far more intimidating figure, this Rory is. Our small council... In no danger of being torched by wildfire, because they're a much more capable group of people. The Lord James Inkblade, the Scholar Knight, is a master of whispers, far beyond the abilities of Pycel. Sorry, not Pycel, but Kyburn. Mmm, up there with Varus, I'd say. Grandmaster Seria of the Barrows is Cinder of the Citadel. Not even, well, let's not even talk about Pycel compared to Berea here, or Seria here. No, that's not even close. Pycel is a little ant, comparatively. Lord Robert Jacobs is our master of coin. Rosie the Clever is our master of laws. Lord James Tuttle is our master of ships. All of these, these counselors, we could, be, we could have used their help with these questions about how the laws work, what's going on with the Crown's finances with regards to the Iron Bank. So many questions that we can't answer. We need, we need experts to weigh in on these things. Also, Lady Dyerlis of Castle Naki is the Alpha Patron. Lord Dan in the Red Mountains and Castle Great Bell is Breaker of the Second Stone. Lord Skip of the Velt is Lord of Castle Ganges. Cabethian Frozen is Lord of the Bricks and Castle Crimson Light. Gregor the Toasty is Lord of the Breadfort. Alicia Everlasting of the Greenblood is Lady of Desert Rose. Jeffrey the Unflinching is Lord of Sand Lake. Lord Grey Bay of the Queen City. Lord Ryan of Castle Stonegate is Guardian of the Rocky Mountain Pass. Lord Garen de Havilland is of Devil's Hand Keep. Lord Brandon Slate is the Norse Hammer and Harbinger of the Old Gods. Lord Mark Joseph is the Snow in Winterfell. Mentioned him earlier. Got that new dragon going. Pretty exciting. Ashlyn Winter is the Hawk's Eye, Lady of Castle Skyfall. Lady Mikkel of Moonacre is the leader of the Werewood Protectorate Alliance. Lady Cachon Vallant of Swine Harbor. And last but certainly not least, Lord Barone of Hillcrest is Lord of the Halls and wielder of the Valyrian Steel Machete Everglazed. We also have King's Justice, Sir Troy the Study, wielder of the Valyrian Steel Blade Fate, capable of... Separating a head from his body in a single stroke. Probably not able to pull it off with his bare hands, but hey, I wouldn't uh, put it past him. Lord Commander Dubbington is the Red Bear, commander of the History of Westeros Kingsguard, which we don't have no idea who the real commander of the Kingsguard is in the show right now. They just, <laughs> man, they just skip right past that, I suppose. Maybe they'll bring it up at some point, but for now, eh. Sir Pounce. <laughs> good choice. Very good choice. 
maybe Arya will come over and disguise herself as Sir Pounce. And that's <laughs> how she infiltrates the Red Keep. Hey, she's she knows a thing or two about cats. <laughs> and, of course, we also have the History of Restaurants Night's Watch, commanded by Lord Commander George the Golden. First Ranger Fabian Flowers is the Bastard of Greenshield. And our first steward is Dolores... Ronich Cantrell, leader, uh, wielder of the Valyrian Spoon for the night is dark and full of turnips. Now, I did everything I could to learn how to pronounce that name. It was We had a little friendly bet, me and uh, Dolores Cantrell here, because I have no idea how to say the name. I said it wrong the first time. I looked it up. The internet is supposed to fix all these problems. You're supposed to have pronunciation guides, but this name is apparently so uncommon that I could not find a pronunciation for it. So, you win the bet. I probably didn't say it right. You're going to have to tell me how to say it so I can not butcher it in the future. As someone whose real name is Abishai Aziz Aldori, I know a few things about having your name butchered. Speaking of names butchered, we are being invaded. At the bottom of our screen, we have the cat I mentioned before, Jaken, the cat of black and white. He is trying to <laughs> force his way into our, our screen here. Anyway, so that covers our... Patreon supporters, and all our shout-outs for today. You can get a shout-out of your own uh, other ways besides being a Patreon supporter. If you make a donation through PayPal, through our website, ask for a shout-out, and we'll give you one. It's that simple. Okay, so, next on. Now, it's not just about what's next on. It's what we've been seeing since the preseason trailers that we haven't seen yet. And we know from this next episode, it's all battle, basically. There may be some before the battle, maybe some after, but we see no indication that there'll be anything other than this conflict in the episode, other than maybe some things before it and some things after the it. Battle but, yeah, the, the battle, battle at Highgarden? Yeah, the battle at Highgarden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, the battle at Winterfell. We see burning crosses, Bolton crosses. We see the armies gather. We see Jon Snow looking real, like, sad and, like, not... He just looks out of sorts a bit. He's been looking that way for the past few episodes, by the way. Yeah, I, I being dead. I mentioned that yeah. last episode is I feel like he almost always seems slightly uncertain. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? I think this is... Uh, some people have complained that his death, being dead, hasn't had enough of an effect on him. But it hasn't had no effect on him. I think this is exactly what it is. Yeah, I think you're right. I've, this is, I've noticed a difference in his physical presentation. Yeah, he's, he's more slumpy. Slumped over his shoulders. I think his posture is different, I think. I think it's pretty subtle. And, and I know sometimes the show doesn't do certain things subtle that it really misses the opportunity to do. Uh, but I think this is a good example of something that it is doing so subtly that a lot of people aren't even catching it. So maybe we're wrong. Maybe we're just reading into it. But I, I both of us seem to agree on this, that, that there is some things. Like, he does have less intensity. He has less energy. Yeah, I, I was trying to identify it. I couldn't quite decide what word to use or how to describe it. Uh, but I feel like I, I was really taking note of it when he was meeting with uh, Liana Mormont. Yeah, uh, the look on his face, and and through that episode, and this one, uh, the previous for the next episode, there's nothing in North this episode, nothing at all, right? Um, no, nothing. But at all. several images of him in a preview for next week, and he looks, in the past, he definitely also maybe looked uncertain because he was kind of like young and thrusting these situations that he wasn't expecting or wasn't ready for. Yeah. But I still want to say he had a bright-eyedness to him, mm. maybe not bushy-tailed, but uh, <laughs> but. Uh, he was uh, maybe more positive, you know, like maybe looking to what he can do next. I feel like now the look in his eye is like, someone please help me. Someone please help mm. me. That's the look at like he's in despair. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, uncertainty and 
uh, forward-looking before, whereas now it's uncertainty and uh, despair. Yeah. And, it, you know, and, and the situation is really horrible. He, he wanted to, he thought maybe he was going to be able to go off and be by himself, but he just he pulled him back in, and it's a bad place to be. He's got a brother, half-brother, probably being tortured. He's got his family's in tatters. His own brothers killed him. The White walkers are coming. I mean, there's not a lot to be positive about, is there? It looks pretty bleak from where he's standing, and, and he's experienced death. And he maybe thinks he's going back there. And that brings us to one of the few non-battle moments of the trailer, which is him telling Melisandre, whom we haven't seen in a while, if I fall don't bring me back. He's like, I don't want to come back again. I don't want the barrack treatment. <laughs> I don't want to be resurrected many times. If I die this time, just let it be. And I'm get, curious what she's going to say to that. They need to get Lady Crane in that battlefield. <laughs> oh, she's dead. Oh. <laughs> yeah, what do you think? I wonder how, what will she say to that? She's like, no. <laughs> Mel's are like, no, you're the Lord's chosen. Yeah. I, I got to bring you back. Sorry, bud. If you die, I, the God's, I'm, he comes first, you know. You're, you're his chosen, but I got to follow his lead, you know. Like, I don't know. I, I could. I don't know what she's gonna say to that. I, she might not have a chance to. I can imagine that might be like the end of the conversation. Yeah. They might talk for three minutes, and he says that and walks out. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. It might. Maybe it'll be the beginning of the conversation, and it, she convinces him that she does need to bring him back. But uh... there's also possibility for this reckoning. We see Davos looking down at a pile of what looks to be burned logs, which has gotten a lot of people suspecting. And we've seen this, we've been seeing this shot since the trailers before the season. At first, we thought it had something to do with John because back then we didn't know how the John would be John situation would be resolved. But it clearly had nothing to do with John, so it might have to do with Shireen, him finding out what happened to her more specifically. You know, and that could cause some conflict. I'm not sure. Regardless, we see him participating in the battle. We see him charging. We see him sore. We see his face dirty as if he's been fighting for a while. We hear him kind of maybe react, maybe reacting to a horn blow, which means maybe the Vale soldiers are coming in to save the day. Or the Brotherhood. Or the Brotherhood. Uh, yeah, that would be neat to see the Hound take out Ramsey, being a guy who uses dogs for evil things. <laughs> so that would be somewhat fitting. And yeah. It's also possible the battle lasts more than one day. Sure, sure it could. I'm kind of guessing it won't, but yeah, absolutely. None of the scenes were night scenes uh, that we Some saw. Some of them were dark, though. Some of them were Dawn dark, yes. Dawn or dusk, it's You're hard right. to say. Absolutely. But you can imagine, like, they have a battle, and at the end of the day, you know, like, regroup, wait for morning, come back again, and in the night, we can yeah. have conversations. Davos finds that pyre or whatever else, you know. Melisandre has visions of herself from a while back, walking the walls of Winterfell. She sees the Bolton banners burning, could be finally coming around to happen. Apparently, there's a parlay. We hear uh, John is saying oh, the voiceover during the trailer. It sounds like he's talking directly to Ramsay, like challenging him to a one-on-one. -on -one. Something like that. He says, thousands of men could die. We could just resolve this this way. Sounds like he's challenging Ramsay to fight. Don't imagine Ramsay will accept. Ramsay's army is larger. The larger army should not be accepting that sort of deal. <laughs> the larger army on the defense as well. Yeah, yeah with the entrenched position. Yeah. yeah. And... Then we see we see some a lot of action sequences. We see Tormund. We see one one like bringing our archer up, slaying him down. I we don't see any ghost though. I wonder if ghost will have a role in the battle. Hard to say. 
We wonder what the House Mazin banner looks like, since House Mazin is fighting for the Starks, and they're not a house from the book, so they don't have, like, a sigil. I'm wondering if we'll see a sigil for them. It's kind of a small thing, but it's something that I'm curious about. And we also see... You know, we also have the implication of the Vale Army coming, but we don't actually see it. You know, we don't see any yeah. shots of that actually happening. The horn, again, might be an indication of that happening. And we also have this line... From the preseason trailers of, do you like to play games, little man? And we still haven't had that. We still have yeah, not had that moment, which is very, it was clearly Ramsey's voice, almost certainly speaking to Rickon. So, like, it seems hard to believe that Ramsey wouldn't do bad things to Rickon, having yeah. him camped Like, how could he resist? This is Ramsey we're talking about. And imagine a scenario like what the phrase create for Blackfish there. What if Ramsey literally brings Rickon out in a battlefield with a knife to his throat? Yeah. Like, all right, John, call your forces off, or I cut his throat. Yeah. What does John do? He's does like John. Does, can John do what Blackfish did? Like he's dead anyway. Cut his throat. I think he Charge. can. I think he can. Like it's even more more yeah. of a threat for Ramsey to do. It's like what what good would it do to you know? He's gonna kill him anyway. You know, like even with Ramsey, you can even be more yeah. certain because Ramsey's Ramsey, and it's like this guy's already th the things he's threatened to do to Sansa, the things he's threatened to do to. I think he's already on done. On one hand, Rickon might be better off. If Ramsey just kills him. Yeah, he won't be but tortured. But on the other hand, what if that's a threat? What if he brings him out in a battlefield and says, All right, John, call your forces off. We're going to chop off his finger. Chops off. Ah, my ball! Rickon's oh, screaming and crying and bleeding. He's like, All right, next finger, John. Mm. How long can John stand there and watch Rickon get I could, mutilated to death? I could see that being more likely. And I could also see, but I could also see him just being dead already and being on one of those crosses yeah. as a way to taunt him, you know, and say, just to, to throw him off his game, to make him, you know, bereft you know just yeah. feeling horrible which is not the right state of mind when you have to be leading soldiers and giving commands and you know being confident and you might like boost up his anger and his emotion and his personal fighting ability but his value as a leader would be diminished yes and that and it could also just be ramsey just likes that sort of thing he's just he just gets off yeah. on seeing people suffer and on knowing <laughs> the psychological torment that they're clearly enduring based on you know, the feelings that normal people have that he doesn't have, but he knows they have them, so he knows how to play on that. Another scene that is not related at all to this that we haven't seen yet. In the preseason trailers, there's a shot of a bunch of Sons of the Harpy. Some of them are on the ground, and they kind of look up, and it looks like they might be on sand. It looked like a rehash of... It almost looked like a scene from the fighting pits from last season. But clearly that's not going to happen. I can't imagine we're going back to the fighting pits in this, in this final episode, which will almost certainly be episode 10, not episode 9, because, again zero scenes that weren't from the nor this northern battle or related to it. So I don't think we're going to get anything till episode 10, but that's it's, it's, it's kind of scares me. At least it won't be Varus. I was worried that Varus would be killed. It's clearly not going to happen in the short term. Not at Marine, anyway. <laughs> he seems to be gone. Second episode without Bran also, right? Mm, yeah, he was that's last in episode is. 6. He hasn't been seen since episode 6. Yes. And so we, we got to see some Bran in episode 10. Maybe we'll get some trailer shots at the end of episode 9. Uh, we might not be seeing Sam again this season. That could be. We might get one shot or two, like, little follow-ups, see what's, what's going on, a little resolution, or at least to give us a clue as to what they're doing. Because it's kind of, it's, it's, it's more of a cliffhanger. It's not really a cliffhanger, but it's like, a, huh, what are they doing? You know, where are they There's going? There's a lot is, of stuff Is he still going together. to Old Town? Yeah. So it, it looks, it looks kind of grim for the chances of seeing Old Town this season. We could see it, but it seems like if we do, it'll be a real, real glimpse, real brief. But it, all hope is not lost there, but... I meant to mention this earlier, they did leave us on a bit of a cliffhanger in Marine there. Just like, battle's going on, Danny shows up. Yeah. 
What's Cut. happening? Nothing, yeah. We're she doesn't even speak. So, yeah, and the other and dragons are still, like, Dan, uh, Tyrion let, let them off their chains, but we haven't gotten back to that. They're just free, but still not free. They're just yeah. less trapped than they were. Who's to say if they let them go, they might do as much damage to Marine as to Marine's enemies. Who yes. knows what they would do at this moment. It might you know? be like a gamble that they're like, well, we're in big trouble. Let's Hopefully this works out for us. Let the dragons out. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they'll attack the ships. <laughs> yeah, they know. might fly alongside. If Danny's riding Dragon. Drogon, uh, yeah. Drogon. They may like join in flanks, and yeah, if he goes yeah. and attacks the ships, they'll go follow with him. Follow the leader, the bigger. Follow their big older yeah. brother, not older, larger brother, brother. They're they're kind of sexless. Follow your older bro sisters, <laughs> brothers, sisters, brother. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we it's not it's, it's hard to come up with a name for an androgynous dragon. We'll have to work on that. Are Port, they specifically androgynous? Is that ever referred to? It's not said in the show. That isn't referred to at all. But in the, in the books, it's it's kind of been explained that they're they're sort of like real world certain species of frogs and fish that can actually change their sex at need based on what's around them, based on like the population around them. They kind of have they're kind of not asexual, but androgynous. They can switch sexes. There's real life. That's that's a real world thing that can really happen. And so it's kind of sort of explained that way it's not totally clear it's like it seems to be the case you know it's, it's yeah. not sure you know it's, i just it's occurring to me i can't remember if they've ever been specifically referred to as him or her they or have or not she. yeah uh, drogon is kind of referred to as a male but that you know it's not like danny is checked under the hood there to see he's like <laughs> got a big dragon schlong hanging out there <laughs> but there we did see a hound schlong this episode but it's real brief peeing in the water there <laughs> okay so We'll go pee in our own water now and call this episode adieu. Thanks for checking in with us again. It was a real fun review today. We had maybe less to talk about, but we had a lot of fun with it. Got real hype about certain great acting moments. And we're looking forward to the last two episodes of the season. Maybe we'll do one of these last two episodes live. Probably the last one. We'll probably we'll, we'll consider very strongly doing it live. Give us your feedback on that. Maybe we'll take some questions during that. Or maybe we'll do a postseason episode to wrap things up and do the questions then. That might fit better. We'll think about it. We'll marinate on that one between over the course of the next two weeks. And you all let us know what you'd prefer. Write us at westeroshistory at gmail.com. You can always message us on Facebook. We, uh, we're at History of Westeros on Facebook. You can send us tweets at Westeros History. And, of course, you can also join us on Patreon and send us messages there as well. So lots of different ways to get in contact with us. So... Um, I guess that's it. Do you have anything else, Sean? I think that's it. All right, great. Well, good show this week. Good show as usual. We will be back next week at the same time to break down the big old battle. Wonder who's going to live and who's going to die. I'm worried about 1-1. I'm a little worried about Tormund, but I feel like Tormund's a survivor. I think he's going to get through this one. What about you? Uh, I I don't want to think about it. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. We'll just I, wait I and see. Yeah, I, I, I guess we should have probably talked about it a little bit more right before trying to wrap up. Like, oh, by the way, who we think is going to die in this battle? And uh, uh, I have a, I have a feeling that the main the main character is going to live through it. That that's that's kind of my guess is that uh, John Tormund. What about Ramsay? You think Ramsay's going to live, right? I think he's doomed. I think he's dead. I don't know. I'm not maybe sure not about right away, but it, I think but I think he dies. I think he probably dies in this next episode, but maybe not. We'll see. Anyway. Send us your guests. Send us your circumstances. If you think he's going to die, send us the circumstances that you think he'll die. Who's going to kill him? Think it'll be John? Think it'll be Ghost? Think it'll be 1-1? Think it'll be Tormund? Think it'll be Sandor? Rickon? Rickon? 
Could be a lot, a lot of possibilities. So let us know your thought. Davos, another possibility. Brienne? Brienne, maybe. Sure, sure. Hopefully not. Podrick? Podrick. Oh, yeah. Let's see. There's tons of possibilities here. So send us your, your guess. And if anyone comes up with something clever that few other people say, we'll give you a, sh a shout out for being clever, for mentioning something that no one else thought of, which is something we usually do. Okay. I'm rambling. We'll see you all next time. Valor Morgullus, Valor Rambulus, Valor Battle of the Bastardus. Adios, folks. See you next time.